evening, everyone. Welcome to the March 20th meeting of the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission. Um, I'm talking because we've got a little bit of echo. I want to make sure we got all the technical issues. Okay, the echo is gone. Um, can people hear out in, in the chamber and then outside the chamber? You can't. We have been having issues with that. If we talk like this, all right, got it. Okay. So everybody should be hearing us before we begin this evening. Uh, let's go uh, right away to um, Becky Pepper, who will explain the rules for the hybrid meeting this evening. Thank you, Chair, and good evening. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission Room is Jeff Frick, Planning and Development Services Director, and Ellie Mullins, who will be helping to facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. And we'll work alongside the Chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Um, as mentioned before we started, just have a few housekeeping uh, items for this hybrid me meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and on cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting and when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to min minimize distractions during the meeting. And so with that, I will turn it back over to the chair. Thank you, Becky. Uh, next item is to receive and amend or approve the minutes um, from our February meetings. Is there any discussion, any amendments to our meet meeting minutes. We'll give um, Commissioner Carver a few minutes. He's got some technical technical issues here. How's that going around? Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay, right. Now that doesn't matter. Okay, that was an actual question. Nobody's going to hear me. Uh, all right. All right. Thank you. Okay. So if there are no amendments to the minutes, do I have a motion to approve the minutes? So moved. Second. Mr. Carter. Mr. Rexho seconds. Um, any further discussion? If not, um, could you please call the vote? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Rexrode? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you. Uh, now for committee reports. Do we have any reports from any committees that have met over the past month? Commissioner Carter. Yeah, Commissioner Thomas and I attended the uh, March 16th meeting of the Metropolitan Planning Organization uh, Policy Board. Um, and uh, the board approved uh, Transportation 2050. And um, after a lengthy um, public comment period, and that, um, I guess the next step will be for uh, the Planning Commission to consider uh, um, amending the general plan to adopt uh, Transportation 2040. Thank you. Any other committee reports? Seeing none, uh, for, we'll move on to communications. We did receive written communications from the public, a letter from Stephen Clark regarding solar projects that is in your packet. Um, any written uh, communications from staff, planning commissioners or other commissioners? None this evening. 
Um, any written action of any waiver requests or determinations made by the city engineer? Also none this evening. Um, any disclosure of ex parte communications? Nope, okay. Declaration of abstentions from specific agenda items by commissioners this evening. Madam Chair, just so you know, Commissioner Munch has emailed to let us know that he would be abstaining tonight. So that's why he is not in attendance. So he is abstaining from the item this evening. Thank you. Any, okay, at this point, we are to the point where we have general public comment available. This is for any items that are not on the agenda this evening. General public comment for items not on the agenda. If you do have a general public comment, just come up to the, the podium. I'll check online as well. Sir, if you just state your name and sure. Uh, my name is Travis Hardy. I live out in the unincorporated area of Douglas County. I'm here. Um, actually, you know, in your packet, you did receive comments from a particular individual in regards to solar, you know, on a website and Facebook page. I'm not gonna get into you know whether what's on that Facebook page is right, wrong. You know, that's for everybody to decide. You know, everybody that looks stuff on the internet, you know, should decide if they believe it or not. But what I am here to discuss is I'm gonna read a comment from his email. Quote, their group is closely monitoring proposed next Terra West Gardner project and is actively roadblocking geotechnical testing activities on potential solar sites locations in Douglas County. Now, I'll tell you the facts on this because I know the facts. First off, folks out there were driving metal beams into the ground with large machinery. Okay, that which is not a quiet process. Secondly, they're using large machines to dig up soil to do testing. Third, this was being done after dark, sometimes after 10 o'clock at night. Fourth, there was no permit when this occurred. All this information was sent to Douglas County. Douglas County looked at it, said, yep, they should not be doing this without a permit, pull them to stop. So basically I have real concerns, you know, about moving forward, if there is a cup that comes forth with this particular you know, company, they were working out there without any regard to the rules of the county or the citizens out there that live out there, and they were doing whatever they wanted because they thought it was okay. You know, lo and behold, now they're coming around and wanting to apply for a temporary business permit to do these tests. So I just want to let everybody know that's what went on out there. So you know, if they do apply for a cup, I would hope that you would take some of that into account when you're thinking about this particular company, um, you know, and this particular individual, you know, he, he talks about bad things on the website. This person also made comments um, that he would not, you know, financially gain from this. And it wasn't until people actually pointed out that he actually will financially gain due to his marriage to folks that have signed up to this, um, you know, for the solar project. So just basically saying, look at the facts, don't believe everything you read. That's it. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. <clears throat> Thank you. Any further public comment um, not related to this evening's agenda item? Seeing nothing online either. Uh, we'll move on to the regular agenda for this evening. I have a few things to say before we get started on this in terms of the order. Um, I want to basically outline the order of discussion for the evening. Um, first, we'll have staff presentations. Sandy Day and Cece Riley will present the status of the first draft of the proposed new wind regulations 
and the public comment related to the first, staff, first draft. Sandy and Cece will also discuss the process going forward that will inform the second draft of the proposed new regulations. Um, following staff presentation, there will be public comment and public comment will be heard on the first draft of the proposed wind regulations. And while public comment is welcome on any portion of the current draft, the planning commission tonight will focus, focus its work on the clarification of the discussion that we had at the March 8th mid-month meeting and portions of the draft highlighted in the guided discussion that was provided in the packet for tonight. It would be most helpful if public comments this evening were to address these sections of the proposed regulations. But as I said, comments are welcome on any section. Uh, at the end of public comment, the Planning Commission will take up and continue the discussion begun at the mid-month presentation of the first draft. Staff is asking for clarification on key points discussed at the mid-month and input from Planning Commissioners planning commission members who were not able to attend that meeting. At the conclusion of the discussion for the planning commission, I would like then the planning commission to consider the appointment of a subcommittee of the planning commission to work with staff on the proposed new wind regulations. And we'll have that discussion following public comment. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to staff for a presentation. <clears throat> I will, Sandy Day Planning, I will first demonstrate how to press the button to raise the podium since I haven't been here in a while. Good evening. Um, I am here to visit with you in person about the proposed regulations about the first draft. This is the same first draft that was originally published in December of 2020. 22, um, we've created a couple of different working documents for you. Um, one of those documents is in your packet where we took that first draft and we added all of the, the written comments that we have gotten to the various sections within the uh, proposed regulation. Um, that document was out there for about 60 days and that's where we called those public comments from as well as from the various um, public hearing meetings and then the um, open house meeting that we had. The organization and the structure of the proposed regulations is really modeled on the adopted solar regulations as well as the existing WEX regulations and best practices. So that's our starting point for this first draft as we've talked about many times. Um, tonight's focus, we're asking for your discussion and your input on the definition section and on the personal wind energy conversion systems. Those are the first two subsections of the regulation that we thought would be a good place to start digging in. Each subsection is going to need its own um, individual discussion. And one of the things that you will probably have already seen is how interconnected these subsections are with each other, especially as we move into the commercial WEX portion of the code. So you have the application, you have the design criteria, you have the performance standards, and then also you have the, the abandonment plans and, and there's process in all of those components. Um, so I just want to point that out that that's that's going to be a discussion going forward. Um, going forward, what we are intending to do is to draft a second 
draft of these proposed regulations to be made public. And the commission will have two choices of how you want to do um, moving forward with that second or third or fourth or fifth draft, whatever the drafts look like. You can either work through each subsection at consecutive meetings with that second draft being prepared in total, or you can work through each subsection and make the changes of that subsection public as you continue consecutive sections. So option one provides basically a consolidated document with those changes, but that's gonna be many months down the road, quite frankly. Um, the second option does have the advantage of being able to see those changes kind of live time um, where you would work on a section, publish it, be working on the next section, and then the public then would have an opportunity to see that work in progress. One of the things, because of this interconnectedness with the code, you may get into a later subsection. You may get into the design standards or some of the other procedural pieces and say, oh, well, in order to have um, a consistent document, we may have to go back, add a definition, make a change in the application. So it is a dynamic process because of how these components work together. Um, I don't have a lot of new information to add. What we have done is prepared kind of a guided discussion document for you to work through. Um, CC is prepared to have that document up and open. So if there is specific language change or notes, we can be making that live as we're talking about it. That won't, we won't publish anything until this body says, yes, okay. Um, but that is an option going forward. And then if the commission does decide to move forward with the idea of a subcommittee or an ad hoc committee, um, staff would be very happy to go ahead and provide the support that you, you may want. One of the things, one of the documents is the um, PAA's planning association uh, report that's part of your communication. It's a little bit of a lengthy document but it really distills down how to write code for this kind of a land use. So it's not giving us model regulation, it's telling us the, the considerations that we should have. So with that, um, Cece and I are here for any questions that you have. If you want us to get into more detail um, with the document, we're happy to do that. Or if you wanna jump right into public comment. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do any petitioners have a particular um, question for Sandy before we head to public comment? Sandy, I wonder if you'd just take just a second and maybe frame out super clearly for everyone that's here the areas we intend to focus on tonight that <laughs> they want to maybe structure their comments more towards those areas. Sure. So the first, I was going to try and pull it up on the screen. Um, and I don't know, Cece, if you want to start screen sharing, if you would pull up the study guide. So in the study guide, um, the document lists out all of the subsections of the code. The very first subsection that we're talking about is for the definition section. And that definition section is one of the backbones of the regulation to make sure that we're all on the same page. We're all talking apples to apples as we move through this, not all 
land use terms are transferable between land uses. So that's why we want to make sure that we have a, a pretty precise language. And we thought this was a good place to start. And we've asked this question of the commission before, are there other terms the commission wants to see defined? Have we really kind of captured and encapsulated um, those components? The other subsection is regarding the um, PWACs or those personal um, facilities, making sure that the, the public knows that if you want to have this kind of de device, similar to somebody having solar panels on their house or their barn or their garage um, for their personal use, that we make the regulations clear. Now, it's already permitted in the county zoning regulations, but what we discovered was it was less clear than it could be. And so that was another section that we tried to rewrite and make it more, more concise so that there's a clearer expectation. Um, those are the two to talk about tonight. This is a meaty text amendment. There's a lot of pieces to it. The public has a lot to say about um, this thing. We've tried to incorporate as much of that communication for you to digest and, and make it digestible. It's a lot to go through. Um, so then if you see on the screen there, the gray text, those would be um, the next subsections that we would be discussing, the whole category. So you have the personal WEX and then you have the commercial scale. So those two. And then within that, this structure, this is where I was talking about how interrelated they are. So it's not going to be unusual to say, well, I'm concerned about this thing and it needs to be defined or, and so that's why we're gonna end up going back and forth. That's, that's going to be how this works. It has to. Does that help? Yep. Great. Thank you. Right. Any further questions or comments before we get into public comment? Oh, Cece? So just to further clarify, commercial scale wind turbines aren't necessarily at the top of our topics today. Definitions, personal okay. scale, but right. there's interconnections and those gray areas are future deep dives. Correct. We'll discuss commercial scale wind turbines plenty at the next handful of planning commission meetings, but that's not what we're focusing on yet. We're trying to get through the first two subsections. Thank you. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Sure. So the next step is to get into public comment. So um, as before, please approach the, the podium or raise your hand online, um, state your name, and each person will have three minutes. And I will um, remind you at three minutes, we have a lot of people who want to talk tonight. So um, please keep your remarks to three minutes and we will start. Who would like to start off this evening's public comments? Somebody like to get us started this evening. Here we go. So Alan Kloss Anderson, uh, I represent Nextair as well as a number of other developers. Uh, I'm a Douglas County resident myself, uh, work at Polsonelli Law Firm in, in our Kansas City office and also teach at uh, adjunct at the University of Kansas Law School. Um, and, I, and I'll, I'll keep it as brief as I can. I'll have a couple overarching thoughts that I just, I think, apply as we think about all of these different topics. Uh, 
The first is in Kansas, we have the first project wind operation in 2001. So we have a lot of experience in the state. So we can draw on that. So from the, and there's 43 operating wind projects over that 20 plus years. Uh, a lot of counties have been through this process. A lot of counties uh, and people have, have lived with and hosted projects. So we don't have, in the state of Kansas, we don't have to guess as to what has worked in those places. One thing I know that's come up in some of the discussion, and I watched the work session as well, is differentiation between a, a county like ours that has, you know, 125,000 people or something like that, and other counties. Now, obviously, we have the city of Lawrence and a couple of cities that comp comprise most of that. So from when you get to the rural area, uh, it's, it's rural like other places as well. Um, what's important about that, we cover population and individuals be, by the way we cite turbines, uh, and so that population as a whole doesn't really impact how we cite. We cite to every property, every person, every property. So the key is every turbine is cited for every uh, condition. So every person or every property line, whatever the condition may be. So having more people puts a burden on the developer in order whether they can do it or not. It may mean there's smaller parcels, so it impacts the difficulty of maybe assembling the land position, but it doesn't change that the impact on the people. So the fact that more people live in Lawrence will not change how every person is impacted by the turbine. It's the same as if we're in Ford County or if we're in uh, Douglas County in that regard. So we cite to people in a thing so that we do that appropriately for safety and health and other things. So there really isn't a difference because we're, you know, if it's too populated, so the city of Lawrence is too populated. We can't, there can't be a position in the middle of uh, East Lawrence, West Lawrence is just not the, so that's when we know it's too, too uh, populated. Uh, let's see. The second is I do have such great respect for expertise. And so as I've described it to others, I don't get into a lot of topics, electrical engineering, I don't get things that I don't have expertise in. And I think that's a difficult one too, as someone who's, you know, getting approaching 30 years of working in energy, there's a lot of difficulty. And I'll say, and I, I've told CC and Sandy, they've done a phenomenal job. A lot is asked upon them, a lot is asked upon all of you to dig into so many things. And that's difficult. I would consider and continue to consider we have some world-class engineering companies in the region uh, that, that would have a lot of expertise they could bring to it and to consider bringing them on to provide some answers to some of these things. And again, there's a lot of other things, but again, we, there's a lot that we can draw upon in our region. So thank, you. thank you, Mr. Anderson. Uh, Mike Melbourne, I'm from Unincorporated uh, Douglas County. Uh, there's a lot of things to consider about this well, wind farm. Uh, we have bats. We talk about migratory birds. Our bats are migratory. Our bats are facing uh, what's called a white nose syndrome. It's killing them by the thousands. It's probably been introduced to them through a man-made source. Now, these wind turbines don't even have to strike them. That the wind turbine does not have to strike them. It implodes their lungs. We were gonna be losing a very valuable, bats are worth billions of dollars to the agriculture in the United States. Do we really want to lose another species on this earth? Thank you, Mr. Melbourne. Okay, um, 
Marsha Paul, I think you want our names. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I am not against personal solar or wind farms. I mean, if you wanna have one on your property, I don't have a problem with that because it's on your property and it's not reaching out onto someone else's property or making noises a mile down the road that's affecting your sleeping or whatever. I just wanted to let you know that it's just the industrial ones that I am concerned with. Um, now, Mr. Allen said that um, they take into fact the population of the county, you know, how many people in the rural and that our rural is not any, that has been taken into account, it's not any different than anywhere else. Well, I beg to differ. We have a lot of people in our rural um, communities. Um, I don't have the facts right in front of me, wish I had my paper, but I have done studies and in Douglas County, we have more people in our rural areas than the counties around us. We have a lot of people in our rural areas. And so um, if he's talking about, I don't know what county he's talking about that we don't have, you know, our, our, we're basically the same. It's not true. Um, and also I do, I do a lot of reading and I can't remember which, but I can look it up, which study this was, but there were four experts that did research on the wind farms and how they affected rural health people that live near them. And of those four experts, two of them were neutral and two of them were from the energy <coughs> farms that, I mean, wind energy people. So I don't see that that's really a neutral thing. You could tell even when they were answering questions that the wind energy people were wind energy people, no matter what the statistics were. The other two that were neutral, that you know had no business with the wind energy people, they, um, they would answer the questions factually, and I really appreciated that. Um, and let's see. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to say, and that was um, um, Travis back here was talking about the um, the solar and how um, next era employees, or maybe they're not next era employees, whoever they are that are going out and making the drillings and all that, did it before the cut permit. Well, even the SODAR radar, SODAR machine that they had, they had five uh, permits a while back, and some of them were SODAR and some of them were the, the towers. But we had a neighbor, we have a neighbor, who the SODAR was on before the permit was permitted. It was from somewhere in August or September to December. It was on that property. Thank you, Ms. Paul. I just want you to know that they're not following the rules. Thank you. Daniel Kerrigard, Stillwell, Kansas. I own some property in Osage County, but spent a lot of time in Douglas County and the surrounding area. So I didn't see anything in your proposed regs that bans wind farms or turbine um, complexes. I suggest that your regulations do include that, and here's why. Over the last several months, I've seen several pro-wind arguments 
state basically, and I'm paraphrasing, that we need to put wind turbines in this area so that it will reduce property values to the level where I can afford to buy property. Yeah, I've seen it several times. Um, that logic to me, and I quite frankly agree with it, I don't agree with doing it for that reason, but I do agree it will destroy property values, but it, it does indicate that even some pro-wind people believe that the placement of turbines in an area will reduce property values. Obviously the motivation is so they can buy more property. Well, I look at it like if that's true, then if you buy property, then at some point someone else is gonna come along wanting to put in a different kind of eyesore to reduce property values even more and maybe even to the point where I can afford to buy property. All of that sounds like a race to the bottom, which is not where I believe Douglas County should be. That's it. Thank you. My name is Rob Harris. Before I get started, listen to Mr. Anderson talk about how difficult this, this is trying to find placement and listen to this lady explain to you what she tried to explain. Just ban it. Save yourself some tons of effort. Anyway, I'll get started here. My name's Rob Harris. I live at 513 East 800 Road. That's approximately three and a half miles southeast of the beautiful and peaceful Lone Star Lake. The elevation at our home is over 1150 feet high, <coughs> making it one of the highest points in Douglas County. We enjoy an astonishing 360 degree view from our property and we can see miles of our countryside. In the early 1990s and in through the 2000s, I operated a home-based business from that location. And I believe this was a CUP, condition use permit, given, to, given out by the county. And I had, to have, I had to have annual visits to my property to ensure that I continued to meet the established restrictions and guidelines for this CUP. On one of their visits, their annual visits, I was asking several questions about their inspections and the lady <clears throat> came, that came out informed me that if any, any of my neighbors complained about too many vehicles on my property or too much business clutter on my property, the county could make me put up, uh, or I'm sorry, the county could make me put up anything unsightly behind an enclosure, enclosure or in a building gotta hide it. I always did my best to keep our property well maintained and neat, respecting my neighbors. If the county put these regulations in place to protect the neighbors and the rural neighborhoods, how on earth are we gonna hide a 500 foot wind turbine if it's offensive, if it's offensive to me and my neighborhood? I too have done a lot of research on the internet uh, trying to find facts and I've read a lot of reports and testimonials from people with commercial wind turbines close to their property. And I also recently watched a video of a commercial wind turbine operating about a mile from a person's home. The sound recorded of the turbine running at that distance was obnoxious to say the least. And I firmly believe that after a while that drumming sound, for no other better words, um, that each blade makes as it cuts through the air will in fact drive me crazy in time if one's located that close to my property. 
when that happens and I need to sell, when that happens and I need to sell my home, who's going to be willing to purchase my home now? No one is going to put up with that obnoxious noise and the visual blight that they provide. These will destroy the peacefulness and beauty we have enjoyed for over 30 years. They will destroy the waterfowl that are plentiful in our area because of the watershed lakes, Lone Star Lake, Clinton Reservoir. And I'd also like to remind you that Douglas County is, as you know, the fifth smallest county in the state. It's also the fifth mostly populated. I understand Lawrence is highly concentrated with people, as Mr. Anderson said, but we have a lot of people in rural Douglas County. These two facts lead absolutely Thank you, Mr. No Harris. for a commercial wind farm, wind turbine project. I beg you to ban any and all commercial wind turbine projects in our beautiful and busy county. Thank you, I'd Mr. Like Harris. More efforts put in personal solar. Hi, my name is Mike Forth. I'm the president of the Douglas County Rural Preservation Association. And I understand that you guys are tasked with writing regulations, and that's what I want to address tonight. It's a monumental task. I applaud you. It's your efforts. And we certainly hope that you come to a consensus on these regulations. I only ask that you do your diligence, that you make sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed. That instead of somebody having to come to ask for forgiveness rather than permission, that the regulations are there to prevent this. I'm distressed a little bit to find that our rural county has been relegated to just everybody else out there in the rural America. We're not. If you look at the rural population of Douglas County, it's bigger than Osage County, it's bigger than Franklin County, and if you go out west of Salina and Hayes, a lot bigger than that. So it does affect us. We have a lot of 10, 20 acre, 40 acre farms out there. This will definitely have an impact on them. So I ask you to really do your due diligence in writing these specifications. Keep up the good work. We appreciate the effort that you're putting in there. We do back your efforts. We have not sought to rewrite your specifications. We have only sought to enhance them. We're looking at property lines being the setback. We would love to have big setbacks. They've never even said how big a tower they're going to put out there. We don't know. A 200-foot tall tower won't fall as far as a 750-foot tall tower. So those are all things that have to be taken into consideration. They put out their sound measurements, and it's, 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 it's all based on a model. And that model, a lot of times, is based on trees, grass, corn, being in a way to diffuse that sound. But these are going to be way up in the air. There's nothing to diffuse that sound. So it will be coming at us unabated. And I ask you to consider that. Again, I appreciate your effort. I appreciate your time. I have a whole stack more petitions to hand off. And who do I give those to? Thank you. So thank you very much, and have a good evening. Thank you, Mr. Ford. <laughs> um, I'm Ardith Milburn. I've lived in rural Douglas County my entire life. When you make your um, setbacks, I've not heard anybody talk about churches, cemeteries, um, 
liberal businesses. I think we need to take all that into consideration and I've not heard anything about uh, mental health. Our veterans that suffer and is the millions of dollars the county gonna get worth one life because of mental health? Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Michael Kennedy. Um, we have about 40 acres, I guess I'd call it a farmette, out um, in rural Douglas County off 600 Road. Uh, we've been out there about four years and we've worked our tail off to try to make that um, a better place and improve the land, um, give our kids a unique opportunity and I'll hopefully be able to pass that down in the future. Um, you know, my wife has been away for five days so I've been handling a lot, not only my day job but the job out there and I was at my wits end today about it. I said I can't wait for her to get home uh, through all the the chores that need to be done and uh, just as I was going out there this afternoon I can't find one of my goats she's in the barn I pop in she just gave gave birth to two babies so I spent the last two hours getting them settled in and that's what farm life is about that's what we choose to do I didn't live this life before this is what we choose to do now this is the future that I hope my kids are vested in and, and these are the rewarding experiences that can come of it <clears throat> now I've put a lot of comments into um, the draft um, I wish I could have put more I think I was time limited um, to do so but I know you're speaking to definitions tonight and I think that um, I've, I've tried to propose some definitions that I do think will help define things uh, more better uh, as you're referring to property owners or impacts or, or the like so I, I do hope you consider that I, I do also believe that as a scientist I have unique perspectives problem-solving thinking about problems and and trying to um, you know come up with fair and objective ways things that involve data when you're making your regulations not feelings and so you know the first page of my overview that I presented to you I think touch on four important points about how we should approach I would hope you would approach the regulations in terms of minimizing the impacted area planning for the future right this is not the technology end-all be-all but if you tie up this land uh, for 90 years with leases like this then you you you, you starve what technology can come along in 10 years or 15 years. So I think we need to be thoughtful about those things, not you know, making regulations that will forever change the land or at least change the land for several generations. And lastly, I think another important point I touched on in that introduction is the idea that the, the, the edits um, by uh, Polsonelli in particular focused on climate change so many times. Well, climate change and the impact that a windmill in Douglas County can have on global temperatures is hard to prove that it would or wouldn't. <clears throat> I think it'd be best to take terminology like Climate Change Act out of it. That is, an, that is not an, uh, it's an opinionated view, climate change, in my view. So I think that it's best to keep climate change and, and political views outside and just try to stick with the facts, try to get you know, things that um, are matter, that are concrete mm -hmm. to the people, the value of the property. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. All that. And thank you very thank much. Thank you. And I do appreciate all the comments you've made on that draft. Thank you. I'm always willing to provide more. Thank you. <laughs> next. Next, please.
evening. My name is Don Bruns. I live in the southwest portion of the county. A few things that I'd like to bring up briefly. The uh, I'd like to stand behind everything that Mr. Harris mentioned. In particular, we could save a lot of time and funds if the county could simply ban large industrial development when wind turbine developments like this. I know the Planning Commission has talked about the rural character of this community before, in particular, while rejecting uh, applications for use. There's nothing more detrimental to the rural, rural character of our community than an industrial development. If we want to talk about the definitions one thing I'd like to see defined, defined better, erosion control, bonds being posted for cleanup. I included many of these items in a letter sent previously. Also, transmission lines. What authority will NextEra have to appropriate property? Um, I'm not sure if they're considered a quasi-government organization, whether the uh, eminent domain can be used, but there's a lot that is left um, unanswered. Another thing, notification of nearby residents, current regulations are much too short. I would certainly like to see that stretched out to three miles. Um, to sum it all up, I know from my back pasture, I can see Mount Oread. I don't want to turn 90 degrees and see windmills. Thank you, Mr. Burns. Mm -hmm. Evening. <laughs> Tim Horn of uh, South Baldwin. I'm on 100 Road and I'm also the Willow Springs Township Trustee. I'm here tonight just to kind of talk about uh, some of the concerns that we have with our township board and everything. First off, I want to thank all of you for everything you've done, everything you will do. Uh, you got a big task ahead of you and I know you'll hopefully do your best. But some of the things we need to really think about is we need to have truck routes. If you're going to allow these things in here, they need to be put on truck routes, and those are the only roads they should get to go up and down because of our structures of bridges, the width of our roads, and all that is going to come into big play. They also, on them truck routes, should be held accountable for dust control because you're not talking about one or two semis from a local farmer going down a road a day. You're talking 40, 50, 60 trucks a day pulling concrete, rock, whatever, steel, turbines, and the weights of all that is going to be really hard on our roads, especially 
coming into this time of the year, it's hard enough to keep our roads up, let alone start putting that kind of traffic on it. Uh, the dust control does help keep a good base in the road as it gets put down plenty. Um, the other thing we need to take and make sure of, any signs, this has happened in other places where they'll go and they'll take uh, signage down like uh, stop signs. That's a big one. You take a stop sign down for a road and somebody comes there that's not familiar with that area, they run that. Who's liable for that? Us as a township, us as a county, or them for who took it down? Because they got to make the corners. You know, that signage is very important. The other thing is if they come in and they got to widen the road to make a corner and they got to go in there and fill the ditches in and all that, we need to control that because there's going to be erosion that's going to happen if they don't put in the proper tubes, the proper sizes, and keep that water in the ditches and not across our roads. There's just a lot of facts in this that we really need to take and uh, be aware of. Somewhere out there, they're going to probably want to put in a batch plant for making concrete for all this stuff. Well, they're going to need a lot of rock, they're going to need a lot of sand, and they're going to need a lot of water. Well, a lot of things have been said, hey, they can just punch a hole in the ground wherever they lease the ground and get water from wells. We need to make sure they have to go through the same permits we all do to get any water well drilled or anything like that. Uh, our other big concern is rock. If they go in there and they go into these rock quarries and they start pulling tons, 500 tons, 1,000 tons, whatever it is, of rock out of there, we're out of rock. We ain't got nothing to put on our roads. And my biggest concern is our public. Thank you. We have a public that we need to take care of out there that lives, pays taxes, and we're responsible for them. Thank you. Buck Bradley Marill County residents. I'd like to add something for the definitions. We need to talk about the definition of the quality of applicant needs to be added. Um, Mr. Anderson talked about 43 projects, but he didn't talk about the $33 million in fines Nextair has paid since 2000, 2017, and it's a quick Google search. He paid $8 million, his company paid $8 million in fines for killing over 150 bald eagles, and that was settled in April of 2022. There's a lot of, yeah, let me say other stuff he got fines for. Uh, his the leadership in Nextera, one of them had to step down for campaign violations at state and local, uh, sorry, state and federal level. Reno County, they just lost a lawsuit in Reno County because they tried to sue the county because they tried to block Nextera from coming in, and they and the county won. So not every project that they start, the, the people don't want it. Not all of them want it. I'd ask you guys to talk to a lot of the other uh, counties that are doing it. Uh, state of North Carolina, or excuse me, South Carolina, is also looking into Next Air for buying votes. Next Air also blocked a $1 million project for uh, power lines for a nuclear power plant because when it gets to them. A lot of countries over in Europe are having buyer's remorse on um, wind and solar power. We need to look who we get in trouble. We need to look who we get in bed with based off the applicant that applies that puts those in there because they're not living up to their promises. States are looking at it. Other counties around the state are looking at it, and counties in America are looking at it, who they initially got these projects through, and they're having buyer's remorse on it. So please go talk to the other counties, look what they're having to deal with, and I ask you to look at the look at a definition for the quality of the applicant that is applying for it. 
because we don't want to have the if they, if you guys pass these, you're probably going to pass some type of regulations. They probably do need to be spelled out. But we also want the people that are coming in here that care about actually this and not just getting the money because it's a it's a new hot topic uh, uh, hot topic because the federal government just passed a whole bunch of subsidies for it. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Jason Hefner. We live at 1858 North 800 Road, Eudora, Kansas. My family has been in Douglas County since 1868, just, just a little while. Um, we have a family business and a multi-generational farm. Our farm is in the heart of Southwest Douglas County. I want to introduce you to my wife, Cassie, who just loves getting in front of groups of people, I can <laughs> promise you. Uh, my daughter, Madeline, my son, Jackson, and my daughter, Grace. The twins are seven and Grace is four. I asked them to join me tonight because I want my children to remember that it's important to get involved in your community. That it's important to stand up for what you believe. We are not against renewable energy. In fact, we have solar panels on our farm. This commission is working on what I believe is very historic and monumental regulations. The industrial complexes could be standing for the next 80 to 90 years. They start out with 40 to 50 year terms with extensions. My children represent our future. Not just my future, this county's future. This project will impact my children's great grandchildren. Think about that for a minute. They're seven and four. This will impact their great grandchildren. I can't emphasize how important these regulations are. And there's thousands of families that can't be here tonight because they're chasing their kids around. They have obligations and commitments that prevent them from being here. And there are many people that don't even know these regulations are being drafted and they haven't had a chance to voice their thoughts, their comments, and their opinions. I'm asking this planning commission to get out in the community, get into town halls, go to township meetings, form small group gatherings in evenings and Saturdays, meet your community face to face, shake their hand, hear their voice. And I was happy to hear that you mentioned something to that earlier. The other thing I'd like to say, if the county's looking for specific feedback, I get on the website all the time. I follow this closely. I would love to be more pointed to exactly what you're looking for in regards to definitions. I would love to have more time to prepare because that's exactly what you're looking for tonight. Help us get you the information and the response that you're looking for so that we know when we come exactly what you're looking for. With the remaining time I have, I would ask that regulations are set from all property lines, period. All property lines, not residents. The turbines are set back 5,000 feet. There should be no shadow flicker inflicted on anybody's house as a non-participating resident, period. There should be no sound reaching their house, period. It should be property line. Tonight, the people you hear speak are only an echo of the voices in this community. Hear us. Stand up with us. Thank you all.
Good evening. My name is Charlotte Breithop, and I'm speaking on my behalf, but also on behalf of one of our businessmen over here, Phil Metzger. He was traveling to another part of the state. He walked into an auto supply store, and his relatives asked him, what are you all doing in Douglas County about the wind? And Phil began to talk with what we were concerned about, and then he realized he needed to start listening because landowners who had signed contracts in that community and now have turbines on their property walked up to him and shared with great distress that they were unable to get operating loans from their financial institutions. And as a nurse, I'm a little obsessed sometimes with informed consent about things, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Does that apply everywhere? So I have been calling banks and credit unions and all kinds of lending institutions around here, and I'll just give you, I had two big banks here that lend in Douglas County, two small banks, and two credit unions. I was told a number of different things when I talked to the loan officers. Two loan officers said, num number, what the people told Phil is the banks did not want to loan to us because they don't want to be number two on our operating loan. So I presented several scenarios to loan officers in these institutions, and two, three loan officers said, absolutely not, we would not loan in that situation. Two of the bigger institutions who have in-house legal counsel said they could find a way around that. One farm credit agency said, well, we do loan, we do have some loans to people who have wind turbines in Kansas, but there's no way we would loan to anybody with solar panels. And I said, why not? And he said, because they break all the time and it's just a hassle, and we would not do that. My concern with all of this is, when many of my neighbors came to me when we first got this proposal to maybe sign up in Douglas County, they were so excited about what they had been told. What I found interesting is once I read a contract, it was very different than what my neighbors had been told or what they were telling me that they were told. So one of the things I want to beg of you is to protect our citizens. One loan officer said to me, he said, I can't tell you much about it, but he said one of our client, one family that is a client of mine, the individual signed it, signed the lease agreement. It's come across my desk because it's part of the family's financial portfolio. And he said, I will tell you this, that person does not have the mental capacity to have signed that lease agreement which as a nurse broke my heart. And I explained to him you know, what his obligations were. He said, I feel like I can't do anything about it because I was never asked to be a part of that. So protect people. That's what we need. Thank you. Thank you. My name's Martha Kaufman, and I've submitted a couple sets of comments. Um, the first set evaluated the uh, regulations. The second was more addressing the um, recommendations made by NextEra. So you'll find both those in your um, comments. I, um, because we're talking about 
definitions tonight, I thought I would emphasize that I did have a couple suggestions about uh, definitions, and um, I am going to mention in particular the definition of wildlife corridors, which I found uh, really amazing that the wildlife corridor definition allows animals to travel through an area, and I'm quoting here, that may be fragmented with C-WECs, I'm not sure how that term is used by those of you who use it all the time, um, or other features rather than using the nearby roadways. Well, it's true, a wildlife corridor provides a way for wildlife to avoid going on roadways, but I, um, and I do have experience working with utilities and working um, with these things, and I don't remember um, seeing that the definition of wildlife corridor included just as part of the definition that they could be fragmented by things like 600 plus foot turbines and things like that. And for, um, I think you have to look at these definitions and think about what they mean. I don't know where this definition came from, but I really don't think it's appropriate for Douglas County. I mean, we don't have enough space to spread out the turbines like they do out in Western Kansas. And a couple people have already mentioned we're the fifth largest populated county in the state, but the fifth smallest square feet of a county in the state. So it, there's just not a lot of space. I think you need to look at that definition, and I did provide some language that I would um, suggest you consider, um, and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions on that. I also want to mention, and I'm following up here, um, the comments of Ms. Bridup um, talking about the fact that, I don't know if you've read one of these contracts that our farmers and landowners are being asked to sign. They are not allowed, supposedly, under their contract, if they've signed it, they're prohibited from disclosing it. Now, I think that that term is not adequate under the law because it uh, just is flat out. It doesn't talk about why that the information can't be disclosed. There's nothing in the contract that I read that indicates that it has to be treated confidentially. So I would ask you to thank you, Ms. Contract, and. Um, see what you think of it. They also ask. Thank you, Ms. Kaufman. Thank you. Tell the, I just, if I can finish my sentence, tell the farmer that if by signing they waive the right to a jury trial, which I also think is inappropriate. I'll ask for anybody online to raise their electronic hand if they'd like to speak. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. Thank you for doing all this hard work. I know it really is. I read part of the comments. I think I got through like page 200 and something and thought there's a lot more qualified people than, than me. Um, Could you state your name? My name is Therese Laughlin. I'm an unincorporated Douglas County also. I appreciate these people who have shared their heart with you and I hope you're hearing it. 
Mine are just a couple of quick statements. Uh, you're talking definitions. What is your definition of farm? What is your definition of agriculture that we're supposed to protect? Do you have a de definition for decommissioning? Along with the definition, do you have to what degree and how it's to be done? Is it just four feet deep? Or is it going to remove everything and take the property back to its original state? Which could be impossible. Um, and I don't know if this comes under definition, but to me it needs to be somewhere where you do measurements. Is it have a consistency, your measurements be in something that we easily can understand? Feet, not meters. When you say height, to me, that's as high as it goes, not somewhere in between. So if we could go all the way to the top of those blades. Without doing that, it looks like something's trying to be hidden. We need to be very transparent on those things. Um, also, I assume you have a definition of nuisance. Let's constitute a nuisance. Definition of an enforcement and penalties. How that is done, to what degree, how much are the penalties, how are they handled. I was in code enforcement for almost 20 years. And I know there's different levels of enforcement and penalties. What could be fine for your regular person out here on a farm or at a residence, in, in town even, that penalty level could meet the degree of the penalty. I mean, the, the fine is more minimal. You're start talking about a business, an industry, that has millions. Their fine couldn't be comparable to regular code enforcement. Those are just some of the concerns I have since you're talking definitions. And again, I appreciate you all. And I so much appreciate these people that can talk so well. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and I'm not one of those people. Uh, my name is Lori Shuck. I live on North 100 Road in an area that's pretty populated with contracts signed for wind energy. I am not against wind energy. I'm against industrial. I'm all about personal, community. Just don't have any need for industrial that will just destroy our land. I uh, watched the work meeting you guys had the other day, and I was somewhat encouraged that several of you voiced keeping the lives of the residents is part of the priority. I uh, was a little disturbed at one point. There was a, a concern about the length of time it would take to study different sized communities, different higher populations, lower populations. And I had to wonder what was the reasonable period of time to decide what was going to ruin my life, my lifestyle, maybe my health. And I think that allows for quite a study. Um, kind of think you would if it was your home. Mine is also not just a home, it's part of my income. If the land that was asked to sign a contract to use for transmission lines, if I lose control of that, I lose one-fourth of our farm income and paying our taxes. I, uh, I'm not ready to 
I don't know how to recoup from that. I don't know if it'll still, you take 25% of your income out, that will be kind of tough to keep going. So thank you for your time. I appreciate your work. Thank you, Ms. Chuck. Catherine Malcolm Ellsworth. I live in Eudora, Kansas at 2609 South Fur Terrace. I have two, two short comments. If you're going to tier um, the uh, regulations by personal WECs and commercial WECs, it, if you could, it might be a nice time to roll in um, community scale WECs because um, the commercial scale WECs uh, really are completely incompatible with the Comprehensive Plan 2040 priorities. So um, community scale wind and solar would be much more appropriate to the goals expressed there. Um, the other thing on definitions, um, I think we should start thinking about, I know that mitigation like for, for um, marshes, people can buy credits, federal credits, and ruin a marsh and then buy a wetland credit. But is that really the way we want to go? Um, I think that we should avoid the novellas about climate change. I believe in glo global warming, warming and it, con it concerns me, but I don't think um, these book reports on climate change are uh, appropriate content for a discussion about um, wind system um, regulations. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, my name is Michael Allman with Sustainability Action Network. Um, I want to second her motion about community wind. Um, consider this, uh, our organization, first of all, we're in favor of renewable energy, both solar and wind, um, but not industrial scale. I think we've made that clear before. And I'd like you to consider, people have said about the population density in the county, I've ran some numbers, um, 119,393 people according to the census in the, all of Douglas County, 95,000 are in the city of Lawrence. The balance therefore in the county area would be 24,000 approximately, 363, 717 people per square mile according to my numbers. That's pretty dense. Um, we're the third smallest county in the state and the fifth largest in population density. Um, community wind, it's, it's not something that staff is going to do on their own, unfortunately. I think that's regrettable. They're supposed to be being creative and coming up with all the relevant information, and yet they dismissed out of hand my request to look into that. Uh, community wind is, is not small change. There are some, between 
three and four gigawatts of community solar and wind in the country right now. There's 7.4 million customers on community wind itself. Um, it's already had enabling legislation in nine states. Um, there's a, it, it basically the main difference with community wind is that it tends to be much smaller, but mostly it's that it's locally owned, locally controlled, and locally financed. So instead of a multinational corporation dictating within certain guidelines the maximum thing that they could do, the maximum capacity, local people can control and decide among themselves what's appropriate, what's size, what scale, what location. That's the main thing about community wind. It's also microgrids that can be tied to the major grid or not, with batteries or not. My organization would like to see the maximum height of the turbines at 150 feet. That's twice the personal height, personal wind height. Um, that would be 90 feet at the hub. Where the terrain drops, and it might be a lower area, can be uh, adjusted to 200 feet by the county commission, but only for that reason, not any other arbitrary reason. Mm -hmm. And my time is up. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Allman. Jerry Kaufman, 646 North 100 Road, and I'll just make this very, very brief. I also have a great concern about the definition in here for wildlife corridors. Basically, as I read this, as CWECS is defined as a wind unit, um, the wind turbine, it says a wildlife corridor allows animals to travel through an area that may be fragmented with CWE. CS. And I think as citizens out in our roars, we don't want that. I can just picture the deer and the antelope as they're playing, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out how they're going around a wind turbine. That does not define a corridor to me. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, my name is Kyra Martinez and I live in the unincorporated area of Douglas County. I submitted a letter today, but I don't know how many of you actually had a chance to read it yet, um, and so I just wanted to read it tonight. Um, I just ask that you please consider adding the following items to the wind regulations. A requirement that any turbine that is proposed to be installed next to an adjoining property which has a well or a pond or a stream, that the turbine must be installed at an elevation that is at least 10 feet lower than the bottom of the pond so that any groundwater contamination is somewhat limited to the property on which the turbine is installed. Require that an environmental study be conducted for each new turbine to ensure that it won't be dug below the shale line or whatever the engineering resource says is the right engineering re request. A cap on the number of turbines per acre and how many acres of turbines should be allowed under one CUP. A requirement that no turbines be installed in any areas of Douglas County that do not rate at at least fair or better in the wind capacity tests. 
a regulation that would allow for a second and independent test to be done if a turbine proposed for an area that suddenly rates fair and is in an area that had previously tested poor. A requirement that any turbine leases turbine lease must be recorded at the county courthouse so that they show up on any title work or any property search. A requirement that the leases should be more like oil and gas leases. The leases should be tied to production instead of installation so that a property owner or the county could file an affidavit of non-production if any turbine was either not installed or installed and then not operated at at least 80% of the time or didn't produce at least 80% of projected capacity over a five-year period. If at the end of that five years it hadn't been installed or if it has operated at less than 80% of the time or generated less than 80% of its predicted capacity, then the lease would be automatically terminated and an existing turbine would have to be decommissioned at the developer's cost or a yet to be installed, or a yet to be installed turbine would not be installed. Thank you. Thank you. I do see a hand up. Rebecca Small, and then the name cuts off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but would you like to speak? Rebecca, who's online? Smallwood, I think. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, my name is Rebecca Smallwood. I live at 1171 uh, East. 600 road and incorporated and i a very short message is that um we were en route on 35 north to minnesota going through iowa uh, just last week and noticed uh large wind turbine farms i counted as we whizzed by uh at least 30 that were leaking oil uh, down, all the way down to the bottom, to the ground. And there were at least 25 that had toppled over onto the ground, a leaking oil, because they do carry uh, a large amount of oil and uh, transmission fluid and other fluids in them. So to the person who was just speaking about the groundwater and the shale, that would affect our groundwater if there was any leakage from the oil, which may be, um, I guess, conditions or age would have a fact, a factor in that. But regardless, it is uh, something that needs to be, uh, it is, happens all the time and all over the West I've seen online. So I think it would be a, a great concern. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Smallwood. And while we're online, is anybody else online would like to raise their hand? Okay, um, Dina Howard, please.
Is Dina Howard able to or and speak? Okay. Well, please feel free to keep trying. Okay. Um, I'll oh, got it. I'm sorry. I couldn't figure it out and I can't oh. figure out how to turn the video on. That's <laughs> quite all right. My Go ahead. <laughs> my name is Dana Howard and I live at 1234 North 482 Road in Baldwin City. And we just moved here approximately one month ago. Um, we built our forever, what we plan to be our forever home with my husband and my two children. Um, as a health professional, I not only have a lot of concerns about what a lot of the things that people have already said in person, um, but I do have lots of concerns about potential health risk. Um, part of my job is to look at diagnoses and make sure that they're valid and make sure that things are clinically supported. So I do a lot of research regarding that. And so I've kind of dug in deep with this topic. Um, and I do see that a couple of you guys are, are wearing masks and I commend you for that. And you guys are doing things to protect yourself just as the rest of us here are trying to do things to protect ourselves, our neighbors and our kids. Um, wind turbines companies, they just have one goal. Their goal is to sell and they make things sound appealing just like any other seller would. Um, that's part of the reason why a lot of hospitals nationally do not allow vendors to essentially do gifts and bribes um, and things like that. So that way they can't be biased and because it reduces the health risk. Um, their job is to make it sound persuasive and appealing and kind of leave things that are negative in the fine print or just not make them known, which I feel like some of the sometimes that gets done. Um, I don't know if what the proposal is for here, but I know that in my looking at um, other areas, a lot of times that people, whenever one is destroyed or damaged to somebody else's property or somebody gets injured, it's basically the wind companies don't get sued. It's the landowner or, and or the county. So that would be something to keep in mind. Um, and again, with the health concerns, there's a lot of recent studies that have been peer reviewed that show especially the cause and correlation because there was a lot of skepticism about that. Um, but using the uh, Bradford cause and correlation study, this recent study did show that there is a high risk of probability of, high, of health concerns, not only for humans, but for livestock as well. Um, it includes things like fertility issues, miscarriages, birth defects, mortality, and other animals that aren't babies. Um, so when it does things like that, like what is it going to do to us at close proximities because a lot of these studies in the countries are from a further distance and with us being the fifth biggest populated county in the fifth smallest or smallest overall area how is that going to affect not only me but my children and that's part of the reason why i couldn't be there tonight yeah so thank you, Ms. that's all thank you thanks Um, continuing online, is there anybody else online who is would like to speak? 
Nothing else? Okay, turning back to the rooms. My name is Darling Taylor and I live at 19 East 1600 Roads, South Baldwin, on a farm and doesn't really pertain to us right now, but when I go to Arkansas to see my son, we go through a wind farm and before you get to it, you start losing cell service and stuff in the middle of that farm. It's on both sides of the roads. As you're going through, you totally lose cell service until you get a few miles away from that. And my concern is for any police, fire departments, uh, ambulances and stuff like that, what that may occur to them for to be able to respond to those areas in that wind farm area type thing for that. And I just want to make that opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Working so late. My name is Christopher Lee. I live in rural Douglas County. I know you're looking for feedback on regulations and I'll get there. First, I appreciate Mr. Melbourne and Ms. Kaufman for the comments on wildlife. I live at the exact point where the glaciated Caw Valley turns into the last vestige of Tallgrass Prairie in Douglas County. Tallgrass that provides sustenance for an enormous concentration of breeding American kestrels that are otherwise dwindling, according to the Peregrine Fund. Tallgrass, that is a wintering home to prairie falcons, ferruginous hawks, short-eared owls, and countless other little brown birds that none of us pay attention to, but that are so vitally important to our ecosystem. These large industrial wind generator companies are trying to sell green energy, but let's not forget that a large, they are a large part of large industry whose only goal is to make money and pacify investors, not to benefit the people of this county. I have been a, long, a lifelong nature enthusiast, environmentalist, and I believe that fossil fuels are not part of our future, but neither are these monstrosities that are so ironically called wind farms. I'll end with my point. Pulsinelli's suggested changes to the regulations concerning wildlife are clearly and simply meant to avoid accountability. Thank you. Thank you. I will say that once we bring the, the back to the commission, unless a commissioner has a question for um, a member of the public, we will not be taking any more public comment um, at this for this evening, once it comes back to the commission for discussion, unless there's a direct question. So um, I want to give everybody every opportunity um, to come forward and um, make a statement. online anybody want to say anything last minute I'm seeing th people thinking about it possibly anybody in the outer uh, realms there want to come up and speak no <clears throat> going once going twice okay we'll bring this back to the Commission thank you all very much for your time Okay, and actually at this point I should get, get everybody um, take a little break before we come back for um, what will be a very involved discussion. So let's take a short five minute break. Perfect. Okay.
Ms. Reddy, thank you all. We'll get started here. We're looking for, uh, I, see, I see Commissioner Thomas is out uh, in the outer reaches there. <laughs> if he could make his way back to the uh, commission meeting room, we will get started. Your Air Force <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I should do that. Yes, paging Commissioner Thomas, paging Commissioner Thomas. There he is. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. Me, <laughs> no, 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 we can't start without you. Okay, so that we've brought the discussion back to the Planning Commission. If we could close the door, thank you. Get the doors closed so we can hear, make sure everybody hears. Can you hear us out here there? Okay. You can't hear can you, anything out there right now. No, you can't hear anything out there yet? Because they're talking. Oh, <laughs> testing, testing for the outside. Hey guys, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay, great. All right. So where we're starting this uh, discussion with the Planning Commission, uh, we did have a mid-month meeting on March 8th, and so there are uh, uh, three specific issues that staff would like us to go over to make sure uh, their process going forward in terms of how height, noise, and setback are regulated. Um, now, we're not talking about coming to a consensus on a number this evening, but staff does want us to touch base particularly with people who weren't at the mid-month meeting um, to talk about how these items are regulated. Um, so we'll do that first so um, staff can have that, uh, have our thoughts on that, I okay? Had, I had one clarifying question from the feedback. Could I ask it before in case somebody leaves? Yes. All right, thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, question, Catherine Ellsworth, Michael Almond. Um, you both had made comments about um, uh, making sure that we, the regulations provided for uh, community scale solar, or solar <laughs> community scale wind. My question is this, um, is there anything inside the regulations as we're discussing them today that inhibit or prohibit or, or make that difficult? Uh, you know, personal scale speaks to a maximum, but there's not a minimum in commercial scale. So is there anything in the regs as you see it that, that really inhibits or prohibits smaller instances of large production? Uh, thank you, Commissioner Rexroad. I, I don't think I would put it in the way of saying that it forbids it. Um, I think basically the regs right now are just silent on it. That's the main problem. It's not mentioned anywhere. Uh, it's not an option that's offered. There's no regulations drawn up to how that would be proposed or applied for or developed. It's just totally silent. And yet, it's a model of uh, renewable energy production that is commonplace in, in many states. And you know, there's ways that it's, it's organized, that it's, that it's owned by generally, not always, but generally a not-for-profit that does something called uh, community choice aggregators. They aggregate sources of energy, and they don't necessarily have to be renewable. They could be aggregating energy production from like a hospital that has generators that might tie into a microgrid. Those generators might be diesel. But primarily, most often, this is generally done for renewable energy. Um, but it's done locally by a local organization, typically a not-for-profit, and you know, it's the format, it's the procedure that needs to be 
um, fleshed out. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And, now and that was that was going to be my comment. We did it with. We said we were going to try and parallel what we did for solar, and for solar we had individual and we had community scale and we had larger and so the community scale for wind wasn't spoken to so that was okay i was eager to hear more from um, catherine and, and michael just off the cuff i think that um from from my standpoint i think that there just should be a distinction more of a distinction made that that separates industrial scale or utility scale wind from that moderate middle layer because I, what i would hope down the road is that the cups for utility scale winds um includes you know a lot of their other impacts like if if um if the project went in will it require additional infrastructure because that's an expense to the community and and eminent and has eminent domain so i just think that it would be better to get more details that separate utility scale from commercial scale so i mean thank you I, right yes i think that's something that um we depending on the time we can bring up because it's for me it's it's part of the definitions um, when we go through the definitions, I think that community scale as distinguishing from personal scale and uh, the industrial scale will come up in my mind. Okay. That's how it works. We, just, we just have regulations for personal. Right. Again, I, I think you guys have done a great job, but that you were not tasked with doing a community scale when we set this out, I don't think. I think Correct. that's correct. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a part of a of a future session for sure. I just wanted to make sure I captured that feedback before you know as a response to their their comments. Okay. So um, turning to the mid month, uh, in terms of uh, the question um, put before us was height. How is it regulated? Um, the comment here is on page seven. Is what I'm looking at. Mid-month discussion showed interest in regulating permitted height by maximum height instead of hub height. This is consistent with feedback received during the draft number uh, first draft public comment. Um, so comments, uh, particularly from commissioners who were not able to attend the mid-March, about m how height is regulated. And I might say also there was a discussion of meters and feet in the mid-month, and both measurements will be can be used for. I mean, the industry might use meters, but it'll be converted into feet. So both feet and meters will be used yeah. um, throughout the document. So. As I looked at that, the, the one thought I had was that you know, overall heights to the tip of the top of the blade, I think, is an important element, particularly given all the concern about um, uh, impacts on viewscape. Um, but we word it kind of in a funny way. The, uh, what I'd love to see is maybe, and I'm not saying that we can't have both. We can't. Maybe we can measure the, the, the height to the hub and also the overall height. Um, the, the, the definition for height of the hub is from the ground to the, to the hub. Why not just say the overall height is from the ground to the um, tip of the rotor at its highest point, as opposed to the math that is in there? You know, you know what I mean? The, half the, the diameter of the rotor itself. 
comments on how we measure the height and uh, how it will be judged, I guess, maximum height, including the blade length or hub height? Any other comments on that? I, so. I guess, is there is there any reason that both can't be specified? I remember uh, uh, Commissioner Carpenter in talk, talking about meters versus feet suggested that both be specified because uh, for engineering purposes it's typically done in meters, but you know pe people typically recognize feet. It's a lot of measurements, but I think, I mean, obviously the total height is important both for shadow flicker and for um, uh, migratory birds. But uh, in terms of, you know, as, a, as an observer, the, sta the, the hub represents the stationary part of the, uh, of, the, of the facility that's easily, what, referenced. I mean, so, uh, I mean, uh, it, it ends up being four measurements. Total height, hub height, in feet and meters. Is that excessive? That's what I would recommend. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, they're both important. Or, uh, sorry, they're all four important. Question for staff who's looked at this. Um, what's the trend in blade lengths as compared to the height? Are there different blade lengths or are they standard? And if you can't answer that, see if Mr. Anderson can go that general with, with an answer. There are differences in blade length, um, primarily by different manufacturer. Um, they tend to have a package, um, from what I've seen, that say the Siemens, um, so many megawatt turbine comes in an 80 meter hub height and then it has a matching blade length that they come as a paired unit. But Siemens and GE may have two different types that they create and that they manufacture and put out for sale. I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, you know, is if we go up with the hub height, are we necessarily getting longer blades? Yes, generally. generally. Um, when looking at higher hub heights, they're also longer blades, taller maximum height. Okay. It sounds like there's um, a general consensus that measuring both is is acceptable um, to put in reports? I think so long as regulations. in picking a hub height, the number um, of real existing um, turbines for purchase that they match, that you don't pick a 80 meter hub height, but say the maximum height is 400 feet, where that isn't a, a true match in like manufacturer specifications. I think if we're um, thoughtful on that, then absolutely it can be uh, well-rounded regulation. Have you been able to collect the tech sheets on what the most common uh, wind turbines that are being sold now are? So you, so maybe we could see what those, how those match up between hub height and blade <coughs> length and. Just what's available and what are the trends? And if you can't get it, maybe they can be forwarded to staff so they can come out to us. Because you're right, we don't want to set up, call a hub height that it's impossible to make the turbine work with the current technology because we would be limiting the blade length. It'd be better to know what our actual ranges are so we can set 
a more informed number on what we think is appropriate for Douglas County. We can absolutely add that to a resource packet. And are you primarily interested in focusing on that 80 meter to 110 meter hub height, seeing those? I, I'd like to know the range okay. of what's out there now. I think we're talking about, I think probably everybody's got an idea of maximum heights, but we'd like to be able to match that up to what the technology is and see what our ranges are. It's to inform what the actual number is. Yeah. But for the, the purpose of this, you're you're good with both measuring hub height and maximum height. As as long as they work, that's that's what I'd like to see. Is if, if yeah. what we say, I don't want to create an impossible technical. Plug the numbers in there. Yeah. Sure. A tech, an impossible technical scenario. So one of the th uh, there is a map in your resource packet that that you can look at that shows the different structures that have been. Right. built with within Kansas within state it's a, or there's the national one there's a national map that um, it's interactive you can zoom into different areas we've um, I think shown it at mid-month meetings before but you can look at that map shows the hub height the maximum height right. how many turbines yep. are in any given wind farm that's all available yep. both on the website and has been in the packet yeah. I just think it would help me if you can have the yeah. technical data sheet for some of them. Sure. Just we, so I can actually yeah. kind of flip between them instead of yeah. trying to keep it in my head, clicking on yeah. different <laughs> different spots on that yeah. map and seeing what they are. And we have zeroed in on what is most commonly found in the med Midwest mm -hmm. rather than, uh, you know, the, the, the full range, the full technical spec specification is going to include offshore not applicable to us right. you know some other conditions that are not going to be if just flat out not applicable so that that's kind of where well, where the regulation started from but yeah is about what's reasonable for this yeah. region okay and reasonable for the region not reasonable for this region okay seen by like next or something oh no we're thinking about this sure. they can submit that to us perfect we can work on that do I not recall that in in this first draft, and I can go through it again, that you wrote in there no closer than 50 feet to the ground? Do I not? Minimum clearance, yes. Right. So if, if that is in there, then that is going to dictate, if we leave that as 50 feet, that's going to dictate the height that could possibly be. Without a total height, because it sounds to like. Total height, if we, yeah. if we said that blade would be 50 feet from the ground, that's easy to say, well then when it's straight up, here's how high it is. Well, if that we, would be the minimum sweep. So right. if something's constructed and there's a 75 or 100 foot, you know, it, it, it's just gonna depend on those specifications. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, so is that give give you the information mm -hmm. that you're looking for for that yeah. point? Okay. Um, on to noise. Um, in terms of staff comment, the mid-month discussion showed interest in regulating noise by an allowable decibel above existing ambient noise at the nearest non-participating property line. 
Um, this is consistent with feedback um, from public comment. Um, at the mid-month, the Planning Commission did not express interest in adjusting the location of the measurement to being the, to the nearest dwelling, but retaining the current draft measuring noise at the property line. Uh, my only uh, comment, um, I'm okay with it, measuring it at the property line. Um, the ambient noise uh, and then an allowable decibel above the existing ambient noise. Is there room for adjusting between day and night ambient noise? Huh. Yes. For that, so there would be a, a set number above the ambient for day and one for night? If the Planning Commission so chose, absolutely. Okay. Um, we had day-night measurement um, as a um, option on the poll that we were taking, mm -hmm. both at the open house that we held and then the survey we posted online. <coughs> and it had some interest, mm -hmm. and I think um, part of why it wasn't included in the original draft just had to do with the um, county staff wanting to make sure that they had all the tools to um, implement and regulate or regulate that's not the right enforce. word enforce that type of uh, measurement in the noise standard but um, if we wanted to look into that further or start setting standards based on day night and ambient noise I think that the Planning Commission could so choose have you come across any studies that do ambient noise by seasonality? Because in the summer when we got all the leaves on the tree and all the everything else is different than what you get in the winter with none of that. And I know the sound experts do that, but have you it might be helpful to see how we can look at some of that. We can further research that. An approach we took in solar that kind of I'm thinking about as I look at this is we talked about the how close we wanted to be to a dwelling or to a property line, and, and I think we chose property line, but we also allowed for um, that non-participating person to enter an agreement that might allow that to change for them. So if we said, uh, and if this language was set at the property line, unless the property owner enters an agreement with uh, the applicant, and that could cover both bases then. And it'd be consistent language too. And and to jump ahead to the next step, those were also to be those were also to be recorded with the register of deeds yeah. if they were signed. Could comment on that tonight. Yeah. Any further discussion about the? Can, can, I don't know if this is uh, included, but can the noise be described in terms of what people are used to? Like, you know, the range of noises could sound like a washing machine from from you know the sort of the quietest. Like, describe the range in terms of appliances that people would be familiar with. Is that already in the language? Sandy Day planning. Um, no, that that is not. We have used that as an analogy in the discussion with the Planning Commission to give you, a, you know, kind of a, a range of understanding. Um, in a code, you would usually have um, a, a specific standard, 10 decibels, Understood. ambient plus 15 decibels, something 
along those lines. Sure. Um, I would. I would not want to have the regulation say, yeah. you know, shall be no louder than a dishwasher because sure. my dishwasher and my son's dishwasher in his apartment are two very different things. So, yeah, we would use a, a statistical measurable component of of that Got tool. It. Got it. Got it. On on noise, is there is there any science or information out there about not just the decibel level but the frequency yes. of and is there anything in low frequencies that that need to be a part of this as well that might not be measured in a traditional way low or high i guess yeah i i mean i was going to actually not ask that question exactly, but follow up on something from the mid-month, which I, I think, I can't remember, I think CC you said, in public policy, there wasn't a lot of um, description of, of frequency. And so I was, I was trying to look for like scholarly journals and I found an article in Trends in Hearing from 2018 that suggests that, um, uh, that perceptual and physiological effects from wind turbine noise are differential based on frequency. And so, and that there are there are a lot of considerations that they recommend, and so I'd like to pass that along to you, um, because I, I mean, and I think the public has made a lot of uh, valuable comments about not just um, volume, but also um, uh, persistence. I mean, if this is a a noise that is occurring all the time, I think you know the frequency potentially has a really big effect on you know psychological and physiological effects. Mm -hmm. So. So I'll pass it along to you. I, I, I'm not smart enough necessarily to interpret it, but I think it's something that uh, could at least be the interrogated. Draft regulations speak to within the noise standard, within performance standards. It says um, there shall be no um, adverse impacts from low f frequency noise, mm -hmm. um, and that was <coughs> space that we wanted to allow the Planning Commission to set a standard if they so chose. Okay. There are absolutely other regulations, other counties, other communities that have, um, you'll sometimes see um, standard decibels as DBA and low frequency as DBC. And so I can pull together what some other um, communities have put as far as low frequency and maybe that'll start the discussion on what the range might be and how that might look. Great. I have a question on low frequency. So one more question to maybe um, add for consideration is um, there's a, a difference between um, a steady sound and something that you know, is oscillating. I'll use that word. Is there a multiplier effect of the impact of, of sound that, you know, comes and goes higher and lower in both sound and, and frequency that should be considered when we think about what that noise reg is? I don't know the answer to that, but I just wonder if that is maybe part of the question. Does that give you the information you need? Um, clarify our discussion from mid-month. Yeah, absolutely. Could, could you just go and add seasonality into what you just added there? Mm. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and I imagine for all of these, so, so particularly for something like noise, um, and we'll get into the discussion in the future for 
how and who and when that would be measured, correct? So you'll see that you'll see that in the application, the kinds of documentation and study that the applicant has to provide up front. You'll see that in the performance and the design standards, how it's constructed, how it's measured, how it's maintained. So it's going to be threaded throughout the code. Thank you. So on to setback, um, how setback is regulated. Uh, the mid-month discussion showed interest in retaining the way setback is measured in feet rather than a percentage of the total height. This was consistent with the feedback received um, from public comment. <coughs> so in terms of how the setback is measured in feet <coughs> as opposed to the percentage of height. And then, of course, as it says in our guided discussion, like from, from where? But, uh, What's the advantage or disadvantage of using percent of height? I'm, I'm not sure that. I might propose that that would be an incentive for lower, uh, you know, smaller scale development, like community scale development that some folks have talked about. The setbacks are less for shorter. Yeah. Shorter towers. Say that again. That it could be an incentive for smaller scale um, facilities to have smaller setbacks, you'd be able to utilize more of the property um, if you're using percentage of height as opposed to a, um, a specific, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, specific number flat, of feet. Flat value. Yeah. Uh, is it possible mm. to have um, different scenarios where you'd want one versus the other? I could imagine um, where if you're looking for a setback from a particular like a road, um, you may want that as a percentage to make sh sure there's safety on the road versus using feet for setbacks from property lines. I say, is there is there room to use one or the other depending on the situation? Yes, there is. Okay. There, um, I think it was Harvey County um, that I was able to talk with the planning director from Harvey County and they had in a draft regulation actually a table of heights mm -hmm. um, where they had some specified distances from certain things. Um, so yes, that is possible. As far as the road goes, I have confirmed with the county public works director, uh, he, he would prefer a setback of the height of the tower plus 10%. So flat out. Mm -hmm. to to prevent any impact on a public road so if it falls down that was a declarative sentence from the county public works director okay so, so David and when you think about using that as a behavioral modifier right for uh, the, the percent of, of tower heights would you then remove the cap on how big they can be if they go far enough away from everything is there a is there an advantage on that as well? I have as other concerns when it comes to like shadow flicker and things like that. Oh yeah, which I think I think again during the mid month there was a concern that it would be almost immeasurable, um, but I think with with GIS modeling you know, and terrain modeling it should be possible to do shadow oh, God, flicker I think so. from, yeah. that, from the tower height. Yeah. But, not we don't have to answer it tonight, but yeah. I was curious about that. I, I wonder if there was a other side of that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, forgive me, I'm, I'm reluctant to say yes, I would suggest 
taking that out altogether. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask if floodplains are specifically mentioned. I mean, I, I see things like Clinton Lake, and but we call it like flood, you know distance from a floodplain. Is that something that we need to think about? Sandy Day planning. A floodplain is a protected component in the county zoning code today. You cannot build in a floodway, period. Okay. That piece is done. Now, can you build in the fringe area? Yes, you can with some certain um, requirements of of that, how much impervious surface you you look at, all of that would be part of a regulatory review. Um, that, that would happen for each site? That would happen for each site. It wouldn't be something we write in here specifically. It'd be like, you know, pre-site pre build, that would be something that would happen. You, the commission, if the commission so desired, you could have um, an, ex, an, an extra setback from, say, the floodway or the floodway front or the regulatory floodplain um, yes you you could add that in here and that would be an additional protection that would be added over and above what's already adopted of the county's floodplain regulations and one of my concerns with setting some of the some of these setbacks um, more for these uh, sensitive sites um, whether it be century farms whether it be cemeteries um, uh, native habitats is that by setting specific numbers for each and every one of those you're gonna we're gonna end up well we've moved it this far from a cemetery but now it's too close to wildlife habitat you know uh, we've moved it this far from a century farm but now we're you know we're in it, whereas I'm thinking that kind of discussion with will depend on where the map is when and if we get a application they'll have a map of the turbine and then we can look at okay how far do we want it from each of these things because if we set the if we set a a foot setback from every single one of these sensitive areas it's going to come into too much conflict and we're going to have to end up well we're going to have to end up choosing if and when we get an application but i think that's better handled during the cup process um, so we can take a look exactly where that turbine is going to be and where it is located in relation to all these, I'm just going to call them in general sensitive areas. So this is a very good example of where this code is going to be weaving in and out because in the application piece, we've identified certain specific things an applicant would have to identify. Um, we don't, I think, have this full list, mm -hmm. um, and that would be a, a future discussion for this body to say, okay, well, should we add cemeteries or libraries or, you know, something that I don't already have in that list? Um, that would be part of your discussion when we talk about the subsection about application requirements. Okay. For example. Because I, I think we need to determine what, what we think is important to us and set those restrictions rather than say, well, let's see if we should minimize this to the Santa Fe Trail or we should minimize this to a cemetery or we should minimize this. I, I don't think we should do that. I think we need to say 
are there things that are important to us and we believe that it is detrimental to that whatever it is we identify and set a limit on it. So are you suggesting, Commissioner Thomas, that we would go through the list and say it's going to be 1,500 feet from this one and 80 feet from that one and 30 feet from that one? No. Okay. I am saying mm -hmm. it needs to be a standard mm -hmm. for each one of these things that we identify that are important rather than saying, well, that cemetery isn't as important as that cemetery isn't as important as that church isn't important as that cultural. No. So how, how what is the standard? Maybe, can you give me an example of the standard you're talking about? We set a standard. Uh, it can be three quarters of a mile. It can be a mile. From each of these? Yes. Or from you're saying if it's identified as something important to not be near, the standard, the, the distance setback applies to it all the same, not, not a different amount for depending on what the feature is. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So if the standard was 1,500, what, what, what's in there now from property lines, it would be 1,500 potentially for all of these? It, things that we have identified, and I hate to, I hate to say it's going to be the same 1,500 more, that once we have identified things that we think are important, then... If, if it's important, we need to set that standard and not, I, I don't want to use the word shilly-shally, but I can't, can't think of a better word. Let's set the standard of things we think are important, and then anyone who comes in and wants to build, then we have set the standards, and I think it's great if they can build within those standards we have set. But if they can't, I don't see that that is our issue, that that is our problem. We are setting things that we think are important in Douglas County and need to be protected and we need to live with that. Other comments? I and, and I think that I'm gonna find that coming up with a number that much more difficult. Um, if it's one going to be one number all. for all of these as opposed to a number for maybe a certain set of this or certainly from property, property lines and dwellings. I, I, I don't think any of us took this position thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. Oh, shoot, we just, we'll just set these standards. That's easy. Let Charlie Thomas set them. Well, no. This is difficult, but it is difficult for the people that showed up here. It is difficult for the people that have written us. It is difficult for the people that live out, that live in the whole county. And I think for us to do anything less than take a position that says, we understand how difficult this is and we're gonna bite the bullet and do it, I don't think is fair to the people that are out there. Commissioner Kelso. And, and with the, I'm agreeing with everything Charlie's saying. Uh, uh, with the technology that's out there, yes. Does it take time literally from this spot? Okay, draw a circle around it. This square, draw a rectangle around it. And math teachers of the world, here's a use for your Venn diagrams that you threw all <laughs> 40 years ago. Um, and basically, 
those spots that are inside of those things, no. The spots that don't have anything on them, they would be the ones eligible for it. Yes, would that take time for a developer or for us or for planning and zoning to come up with where that would fit into whatever we decide? That's what it ought to be. I think I'm suggesting that I would like to see that happen in the CUP pro yeah. process um, rather than set a hard and fast number for each and one, each and every one of these um, sensitive areas. And I, my wife will tell you, were she mm -hmm. to be here, sometimes what I say is wrong. Other people disagree with me. I don't, I don't have any objection to you saying you don't agree with it. I, I think that's what the nine of us should be doing is saying here's how we see the world and here's what we think and we will come to some kind of resolution to all of these issues could, yes could we uh, so did we did we suss out the percent of total height versus the feet question i, th I think we need to, to go that in terms of measurement um there is we are able to use each of those measurements, feet and percentage, depending on the situation. Um, Sandy has told us the, the the preferred measurement for public road is given in the percentage of the as the height plus a certain percentage, rather than in a. That yeah, that's correct because we don't know what right. is going to come to us. Right. So, different situations mean different things, yeah. but. <clears throat> I think for this one, in terms of from non-participating property lines, which is the key here, um, I think that's where public sentiment was saying it should be in feet, not in percentage of the height of the turbine. I wonder if it's possible to have a combination of those, and I'm just making this up, but we, it, can be, mm -hmm. it can be determined when we get into the details. But. If we had uh, one classification, it was uh, total height plus a percent where um, there was public safety involved, mm -hmm. a road, a, a dwelling, um, then a separate class where we use feet when there are non-public safety issues um, involved, where if there was a, a catastrophe, a, a fall wouldn't necessarily damage it. Having trouble thinking about what that might be yeah. at this moment, but... I just wonder if the, if the combination of those things might get at what you're talking about, Charlie, um, and also um, differentiate between where we need that, that much larger distance of, of height plus versus just fixed feet. Sandy and Cece look like that. They yeah. <laughs> comment on that. I think I think we have two thoughts. Um, but it, you you can do some kind of combination, and we do see that in code language, where it says, "A U shall be X or Y, whichever is greater or whichever is smaller." So you could say, for instance, the height shall be um, fifteen hundred feet setback or 110% of the height, whichever is greater or which I, that's just an example. I'm just mm -hmm. pulling numbers out of the hat mm -hmm. here. Um, so that is, that's one tool and that, that allows you to look at it as part of that conditional use permit. So, um, Cece, you were going to mention something. Did I? 
the setback piece and having different setbacks from different spaces, that was um, made more clear by, Sandy mentioned the table that she had seen in another county's regulations where they sort of had a list on one side of those different attributes and then on the right side had <coughs> feet generally and then a couple were more 110% of the total height based. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if this body chose to have sort of a mishmash of different numbers or percentages for different things, there's a way that we can reflect that in the regulations in a clear way for folks to understand. That was going to be my next question, is if it was a combination of these, how would the public be able to read that and understand what was happening? And I imagine, given an, a specific application, if that specific application, in that specific application, we would know what the proposed maximum height would be, and then you would be able to calculate what it meant to be a percentage of that height. Yes. So that would be in the document that the public could read, is that this is, this will be so many feet from this particular attribute or? Yeah. Correct. Okay, all right. So is that clear, uh, 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 Smud, for you to go forward yeah. with yeah. all that? <laughs> More to come. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's clear as mud to me, because we're talking about from roads, from property lines, and then some clearly we don't know what's on our list of other things. We don't. I mean, we've got some in here, but everyone's going to have different ideas about what, mm -hmm. which should be protected more or less. And that's going to be a tough, tough one just to come up with a list. I mean, we don't have archaeological sites on here. We don't have protected species. We don't, and we know we've got maps out there that we don't get to really see that mark those, but that staff will see when they get a CUP mm -hmm. application. So there's things that, you know, we, that's available to everybody and things that is, aren't available to everybody um, about what's located out there, which makes it really difficult um, to try to figure out where things will be. Because, so yeah, it's not clear to me yet how, how this is going to be. It's going to take a lot more discussion, which I believe we're going to be having. Yes, so. yes, and also that is um, just a reason for um, our next discussion after this one um, about committee work. So um, we will continue. I, I can guarantee when we come up with a list of things we want to talk about having setbacks from, we're going to get comments that list 10 or 15 more of them. So it's, yes. it's going to be interesting. So are we ready to move on to discuss some of the definitions? Okay with me. Okay, let's go to definitions. So it's on page, I've got just page eight of 1,116 here. <laughs> uh, screen. Could we just touch just briefly on the, the paragraph just above that that talks about the meaning of words like shall, shall and shall not? not. Sure. There, there, there's been concern about that in some consistent feedback. Let's just get really clear on what those things mean. Okay. So, um, and, I, and I realize that this is something that is going to be sensitive for some people. This is language that is already in the county zoning regulations. This is not a piece of text that has been advertised to be revised or changed. This is, this is the language, this is how it was set up in the code when it was adopted, and we're just moving forward with it. So when we say shall, we mean you have to do it. When we say may or should, 
that that is definitely more suggestive. If, as we move through this language of the overall text, where staff has proposed a should and the commission thinks that it should be a shall, let us know and we'll mark it. If, if the reverse is true, same thing. So we're just putting out there for you what the framework is of the code today. I don't have a lot of choices to be able to change this language unless the commission chooses to initiate another text amendment. And that would affect the entire document. Well, it would also affect how you um, interpret every statute in the country because <laughs> these are the, this is, this is the standard. So just so we have uniformity and in interpretation. So that's why it's in our code, but. For, for what it is worth, I, I, I am one that brought this up. I, I have been educated <laughs> and, and understand now that those words mean what I wanted them to mean. Okay. Now I have changed some from should to shall. Okay. And I turned those in, but I, I am more educated than I was initially. So thank you. Yes, you're very welcome. All right, um, let's start tackling the definitions here. Um, you can see the comments um, on the side made in this sort of pinkish color are comments by staff. And Commissioner Ashworth, yes. Yes. just to um, bring something to attention early on, mm -hmm. the um, comments on the side are not staff suggestions. Okay. They are only, um, I wanted to let the commission as quickly as possible see the cross-references. So right. if you're looking at applicant and it says see also operator, I didn't want you to have to scroll down. Similarly, there's a section on the environmentally sensitive lands. I didn't want you to have to go to a different site and figure out what that was in the regular code. I was just trying to provide as much information as I could. Not staff. No, thank you. I misspoke. I'm, thank you for clarifying that. I heard none. Well, okay, so right. Remind yes. Chelsea Hayden's online. Oh, sh oh, great. Commissioner Hayden has joined us. Wonderful. Commissioner Hayden, um, do, so far, do you have any comments? Um, I do not. I'm tracking, um, okay. and I'm I'm good for right now. Thank you. Okay, just uh, please call out. Raise your hand. Somebody will be watching. Possibly not me, but somebody <laughs> will be. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. First couple of definitions here, applicant. Um, this is you applicant blade glint first, then we'll, we might have some comment on commercial wind energy conversion system definition. But those first two, everybody get what applicant this, and blade glint? This, uh, this shadow is different than glint, right? Correct, uh, yes. Okay. So with blade glint, we are talking about a Opposite reflection of, of the sunlight off a glossy surface. It, and I just took out the word glossy off the surface. Okay. <laughs> I guess glint could happen off of other surfaces. So. Yeah. Any other comments on those two? Um, let's go to commercial wind energy conversion systems. <coughs> 
a single wind-driven machine that converts wind energy into electrical power for the primary purpose of sale, resale, or off-site use. And that there have is been a comments about off-site and on-site, and we will get come to those later. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a distinction between the commercial wind energy conversion system and the wind energy conversion system project. That definition for a CWEX and why it's called a CWEX is because it is a um, industry-defined term that is a common definition across a wide series of regulations as far as how it's a system and it ends with an S, but it is a single machine is what the intent is. Whereas a CWEX project is more of what's sometimes referred to as a wind farm. Should that say then operate two or more? As opposed to one, I'm not sure that it makes a ton yeah. of difference, but. And I'm also confused about whether a project, if there's a distinction between a planned and an executed system. When you're talking about a project, it's just a project or plan to construct and operate. So this is basically a proposal. It's not necessarily a completed project. Correct. Okay. And you could say multiple instead of naming a number, but to operate multiple CWEX. Just seems that we ought to differentiate. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we received some public comment, which is what you see in the blue sort of rectangles below. Um, <coughs> it's the same public comment that was shown in the um, mid-month packet whenever we brought all of the public comment for the entire sections. I've just brought today the definitions and then the PWEX. <coughs> there's no change there and this had comment on the wind farm specifically additionally I've added some staff discussion points below in orange so the staff discussion point is just that the solar regulations currently as adopted include the following phrase solar energy conversion systems commonly referred to as solar farms um, there's been public comment about well, what's a farm and how um, it's viewed as appropriate or not appropriate to refer to these as farms. Um, I think that the benefit may be if someone isn't familiar with a WEX or a wind energy conversion system or anything of the matter, they may search wind farm and expect for something to come up. Um, but that is for the commission just to think about. Well, well I, I can see why we wouldn't want to use that term in describing um, what we're talking about here. It is in common parlance used, so it's probably good to have that in there as part of the definition because other people have used it, and it's quite ubiquitous out there. But I, I see that we, we would not describe them as such. Wouldn't lead with that. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, we did, had the same conversation about solar facilities and we got rid of farm in there for the same reason. And, you know, if we need something that says, you know, in common parlance referred to as wind farms or something like that, that's fine. But 
these are not farms so so we're, we'll leave it in the definition but you're saying i want i want to say that that's that's text. not what we're going to be calling them in our yeah. text so i think we're all on the same page there may i ask a question yeah. um since we have the cwex system and the cwex project is there then non-common parlance for a wind farm what do you call a a matrix uh, of of two or more systems the cwex project but i thought that was the proposed the proposed system the project is the grouping of them whenever they're bringing it to us as an application okay. it's the plan or the Okay, great. Because 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 it says planned or a project or planned to construct. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. To me, that it's so it's the definition of project includes proposed and built, which to me is confusing. Okay. And I don't mean to be. It uses both words. Right. Yeah. It would be helpful to mean one thing when you're using one. Since we're working on definition. Oh, if only our English language worked that way. <laughs> <laughs> it, does beg the, it does beg the definition between, the difference between project or plan. Right. That's what you're asking, right? Yes. What is the difference? Because it says a project or a plan. Well, call it a project plan, and then it's a project <laughs> <laughs> once it's done. So is it that simple? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Well, yeah, I'm asking, the, <laughs> is it really that simple? Or is there a difference between those two things in, in the way you think about it? It was the intention that a CWEX project was the whole thing. There okay. are some CUPs that ask that each individual turbine gets its own CUP. So ah. in text, it's referenced as a CWEX project, the applications for the entire CWEX project. In a case where they're submitting an application, it would be a plan for the project, but ultimately that was the intent. So if there's a better way to describe that, I'd be happy to annotate, but I'm not Sure. Okay. No, that's that's helpful. Thank you. I don't. Again, I don't mean to be a stickler. It's just so the the the, uh, the essential part of the CWEX project is this connected matrix of essentially two or more uh, systems. It's the turbines. It's any buildings associated with the turbines. It's okay. uh, roads. It's any transmission lines. It's everything that has to do with a project is the intention to be defined Captured as such. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Got it. Um, one question I have between when we look at uh, what a commercial wind energy conversion system is and a personal wind energy conversion system, going um, back a little bit to that discussion about community wind, as I understand some of the, the descriptions of groups of wind turbines that are used for um, mostly what I've seen is sort of industry. Uh, if a community wind facility is going to sell their energy to a third party, even if it's for a, a community, um, that makes it a commercial wind project, correct? As currently drafted. Unless, okay. Um, so, and it would have to be, a, anything that would be defined otherwise as community wind would have to, that, that energy would have to be used internally. It could never... It could not be sold to a That's third party. That's the distinction of on-site versus off-site, okay. currently. One, one quick question. Um, there's a lot of mixed case, like some words are lower. I, I'm, I'm being nitpicky, but in terms of ease of reading, I'm assuming that we could 
you know, in the final draft, have consistent like certain words use this if we want it, if we want win to be uppercase maybe we do uppercase every time for example just different words are uppercase in some some areas and lower just an ease of reading thing sure. if you notice them <coughs> point them out and I will change them as we're actively going but I will keep an eye out for it absolutely. okay so is there any room in this for a definition <coughs> in between that would not be if commercial wind is anything sold off-site um, to a third party, um, is there, would a combination of several personal WECs um, be available, let's say, for one industry? So like we had, you know, out at um, the industrial park, industries there are using internally a group of wind turbines. That would be just a group of personal, what would, what would that be called? Um, that's a good question, Would that be um, a and I don't know that I, I have a good response for it at the moment. I think there is some exploration we need to do about the community scale. Uh, first and foremost, is it permitted under state law? Big question. Um, the next one would be um, defining those things. So I think this is one of those things where I would almost... Um, I, I don't know that I can write a definition on the fly or ask you to write a definition on the fly, but that you're interested in that and that we can work on that and bring it back to you, if that's helpful. And looking around, what I've seen for those is I haven't seen really very many examples of like a community of houses using wind turbines, but there are instances where an industry um, in an industrial mm -hmm. park Mm -hmm. uses wind turbines sort of in in-house on site mm -hmm. without selling it off so I think the the community ones that you're going to see are very small very small municipalities mm -hmm. so it would be good to consider what the possibilities are explore that a little bit there. okay any further comments on Wind energy conversion system, wind energy conversion project. Or plan. Or plan. <laughs> okay. Um, looking for Commissioner Hayden. No hand up. Uh, how about um, environmentally sensitive lands? That is already defined in our zoning regs. Um, so we're not opening those up for change. Are we using the enhanced environmentally sensitive lands from the solar? regulations or the standard environmentally sensitive lands I'm not sure which one you're referencing with 12-314 I can open that up for us that's why I added in the quick links to help myself in times like this <laughs> this is the cross-reference that we're making it's the enhanced then one okay So can you explain what you mean by enhanced? Well, we, we expanded the definition of environmentally sensitive lands solely for the code section dealing with solar. And I'm not sure if that's the one we're referencing, because that's the one I think we'd like in, I would like to see the same one that we had in solar. I would too. That, you know, it, it, it only applies to this code section, but we, we 
upgraded it a little bit. This looks like. Was that found in the solar regulations that were yes. adopted? Because yes. I can, I also had that pulled up. Yes, because it was self-referential to the solar regulations. It should be up in the definitions. <laughs> not seeing it in or the not. right expect, but I we had it down. I thought we had it there. Further in the body. Okay. Let me go to a different screen real fast. I'm gonna stop screen share so you don't see me zooming all around, but I can Oh that was to helpful to me. I thought we had it towards the end of the Sharon. Did did I somehow lose it. What did we just say on farm? Um, that we would not be calling them as such in these regulations, but we needed to have that term in there because it's used quite frequently, either by the public or um, just by other regulations. So we needed to make sure at least that term was in there and defined, but that we would not be calling them wind farms. Good. I know the milk producers lost their court battle with almond milk, <clears throat> that it can still be called milk, even though the dairy producers said it is not milk. I, I'm one, it is not a farm. Right. These are not farms. <laughs> any, any luck on the... Yes, I did. Sensitive. So, oh goodness, sorry. Um, I'm within the adopted solar regulations right now. It was not a definition in there, but is this what you're speaking to, Commissioner Carpenter? Sorry. Yes, I'm. I'm scrolling through it rapidly too. Did you find reference? Yes, yes. she's got it shared on the, on the screen. screen. Aha. Or if you look at your Zoom screen on your computer, it should be there as well. Um. So go to section 20-314, because that's, that's where it's, where environmentally sensitive lands are laid out. And that's... Um, there you go. I think that's the list that you're showing right now. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> See, that had the archaeological and historic sites included in it. This was pretty thoroughly considered, and I think it's applicable. Okay. It's at least a good foundation. Okay. What? Is that, I mean, is that? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's okay. what I'm referring okay. to. I'd like to. I'd like to um, have that language okay. carry over into this. Because these are both large-scale industrial-type projects, and I like that enhanced protection. Any other comments on environmentally sensitive lands definition? Okay. How about extraordinary events? Um, in this case, we do have uh, quite a bit of comment on that. Um, right now, as it's listed, extraordinary events, there is a uh, any of the following. And we have a list of um, items that are currently in it. Uh, Large-scale facility-wide damage to turbines, natural disasters, extreme weather, grievous injury to individual, kills of endangered, threatened, or otherwise protected birds, bats, 
or other significantly affected animals as defined by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service or similar event. Um, so we do have an opening there with a similar event. That gives us a little bit of flexibility there. Um, uh, I might oh, just propose that um, in terms of significantly affected animals, um, that there might be mention of our state wildlife. Um, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks might have something um, also to be concerned about that they would be consulted with, consulted about. So this speaks to protections for protected wildlife. Is there also a category of, of I'll say unprotected wildlife, but in in quantity. There, um, there was at one point in time, um, sort of there was language, I, if I recall correctly, in terms of that. a large event yeah. of, or, but maybe not numbers of birds, but just that that large number of birds being killed, um, that has been language I've seen. Um, I, I would definitely not narrow it as the next era Polsonelli comment is just to endangered species act or migratory bird treaty. That's very narrow in terms of the the birds and species to be considered. So if it's Fish and Wildlife Service and state, um, that certainly gives us many more species to consider if we if we list the state. Department. And did you look at what Mr. Kennedy wrote down here yes. that he and he included some things. Um, one I think is fairly vague and would need to be clarified, but I think that expands something. I could, I can live with that if it were clarified. Um, it talks about grievous injury or death. Any individual or impaired productivity is kind of a. Mm -hmm. Productivity, oh. health, or death of livestock. Right. So, yeah. you've got milk cows, and all of a sudden, yeah, their production's cut in half. Does that? I I think we need to to speak to. I think there is a lot. Even though we think we know a lot about wind turbines and uh, generation, I think we will find out as the years go that we don't know a lot of things. We don't know what we don't know. And that we should look at some of these things, take them into consideration. And I think some of the things that he has in there does that. I, I was going to ask a question about le the legal implications of this language. So if we define something as, a, as large or large scale, um, and somebody, somebody brings a lawsuit or something like that, is it better to be more specific or is it like Jeff I mean I'm just asking in, in generally like when things like this come up in the past is it better to be specific or like this where you know it could be anything um, inter interpreted well as you all know I'm not a lawyer by trade um, you know do you see definitions like this one quite frequently and this would be something we would run past county council to have an understanding of what that would be in the confluence of a <coughs> use decision because that would be a different different item there but it's not uncommon to see a definition like this you do see sometimes where they get uh, 
overly specific. They include a lot of things. So then the question then becomes, was the, the omission of something by design or by accident? And that's a question that does tend to pop up with these long enumerated lists of items. So it's not a great answer to your question, I'll be quite honest there, but it would be something we would run through county council to understand the, the definition and the context of it in, in terms of the CUP. And we and see a comment like health or, uh, sorry, health or death of livestock. I mean, that's, is that, hey, my 14,000 chickens stopped laying eggs. My, my bull stopped functioning as a bull and now my herd's not going to have babies next year. Okay. Uh, sheep or goats. I mean, they, are, they all could suffer the same things that, again, Charlie said, we don't know. And we don't. We aren't going to know for a while. But are those things possible? Should those things, specific examples like that, be listed or not? How do you show that right. that that was the exactly cause? It, right? You know, that's a tough one. It, um, these, I think, these are tough questions. Yeah. These like, these are difficult things, and yet we are being asked to do. Yeah. So I find myself wondering if if the the impact to wildlife is almost a separate category from other types of things. I'm just spitballing here. Other types of things under extraordinary events. Um, there are some, you know, extreme weather, natural disasters, grievous injury to individuals, um, um, uh, acts of terrorism. I think we approached that in, in solar, but I think we may have taken it out. I'm not sure, but there are, there are sets of things there that aren't wildlife that are pretty definitive um, and then conversation around what impacts to wildlife might look like as its own thing and I, I find myself wanting that, that question of how you prove it if a bull stops producing is it because there's a, a wind turbine a half mile down the road if uh, and I, I find myself thinking about if you know if I'm regulating this and we've added state birds to this and metal arcs fall on that and if a coyote takes a metal arc and drops it under the wind turbine that's where they find it what's what's the recourse in that how do we actually deal with all these these possibilities inside that category of things that'll be really really difficult to to prove i'm not i'm not i don't know the answer to i guess my point <clears throat> but i wonder if under i wonder if that belongs in a separate category other than extraordinary events. And I guess I'd ask Cece and Sandy if they have any thoughts about that notion. You've seen it in other, play, in other ways. I think the context of how extraordinary events is used within the regulations is important for how we define it. So there's a subsection on emergency mitigation plans that speaks to the, it's in the application, they have to submit an emergency mitigation plan that identifies how they'll deal with extraordinary events in addition to other things. It's where we talk about MSDS, safety sheets, and other sort of, yeah. um, something goes wrong, how are you gonna deal with it? And so, I think when thinking about the definition of extraordinary event and how much you include, you just have to have a balance with where it's used in the regulations and <clears throat> make sure it makes sense. Something that just bugs me at the back of my mind. Um, here in Kansas, I mean, we're in Tornado Alley or the northern part of Tornado Alley, and we don't know when they're going to hit. 
and I know personally what they can do because the one, two and a half, three years ago, whatever it was, destroyed my uh, farm that my wife grew up on. It doesn't exist anymore, period, gone. Um, when things like Hurricane, I think Andrew, blew through Florida, they changed all their building codes for any, any new construction such that they had to have hurricane hangers and things on roofs. What are industry standards for things like wind turbines? What, can they withstand an F1, a direct hit? Can they, can they stand an F2? What, what can we or should we expect them to live up to knowing the likelihood of it hitting one particular one, it's, it's probably 0%, but the likelihood of it hitting one of them at some point it's not it's not zero so what what should that be because if one hits it directly and it's not at a reasonable engineering specification blades are going to go a long way let's well, certainly come under extraordinary event yeah, yeah. i think yes <laughs> And as for a list of things under extraordinary events, I'm I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable putting something as vague as the health of the general health mm. of livestock on there. I think that's a bit too that's just too vague um, to put in some, something for extraordinary event. That would be my my feeling on that one. Seems the opposite of extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Any other comments on extraordinary events? Is there anything other piece of information you need on that, Sandy or CC? I don't think so. No. Okay. This is a commonly defined term within other regulations. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if in your research or otherwise looking at regulations and seeing what you do and don't like, if you find a definition for extraordinary event, absolutely bring it to the group because I think that they are defined so differently depending on which part of the country you're in or sort of what things happen most frequently that it has room to be adjusted. Okay. So uh, do not okay. add then, are we saying the Endangered Species Act or Migratory Bird Treaty, that those are, we are only gonna look at U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I had suggested adding the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. Any federally protected mm -hmm. species or otherwise thing is still protected. Under the U.S. State or federal. Other comments, other things or extraordinary events? Okay, how about, um, let's see, governing body. happy with that this is county reg so it's only mm -hmm. county board, board of county commission governing body I think will also be a piece that as we go through the regulations there's a lot of spaces that we say mm -hmm. like as determined by the governing body that um, when we're in those different subsections you may want to adjust or otherwise that'll be a reason to come back to this definition the comment that was made by Malone Strom, um, she made that comment specifically to this definition, which is why it's seen here. Sandy sought out some guidance from Commissioner Brad Fingledye on 
eminent domain and it's spoken to a bit within this? Yeah. So um, the document that you see has made more than one trip to the county counselor's office. So it will have more trips to the county counselor's office. Um, I did reach out um, to John Bullock, is who my contact is, uh, to ask him a few questions, um, particularly about um, the question of uh, eminent domain. John was out of the office, and so Brad Finkeldye, um, who works for the same firm, provided the response. So that's that's how he's engaged in this. And so that was the information that he provided for us um, in response to the question of who has eminent domain, by and large. An applicant is not, they, they don't have that power. Now, they may be engaged in, in some element of a necessary land acquisition for transmission line that's coming at the uh, from the utility provider. So, so I, I was a little confused as to why this was in the the definition section. Is that because we we would want because to define we got a eminent? Oh, I was just we, we got a comment, and so okay. we wanted to provide a response okay. to that comment. Is that something that needs to be defined in here somehow? Eminent domain. I mean, how would that be explained? <laughs> Eminent domain has its own legal definition of what it is. This is really more about how is it used, and I think that gets into a different set of the regulations. We've heard from the public that they would like a prohibition that an applicant is not allowed to use eminent domain, and by and large, they can't. Okay, now, as what's described from Commissioner Finkeldye in his role as county counselor, um, there was um, an example of where Nextera um, went to the KCC to ask to be authorized as a public utility for the use of eminent domain for a particular project, and that was under Kansas state statute. So that is a little bit outside of what we and you and the county commission actually can regulate and be engaged in. I thought if people saw that, I thought this was concise, precise, definitive. If, if the people, and it was brought up several times tonight, I think if they saw this, there would be, I, and I wouldn't put it in the regulations. It is, it is out of our our hands yeah but i think that would relieve some issues yeah. with people yeah seeing that so I, that's I, I, why that we wanted great. to provide the response yeah, i thought that was great yeah any further comment on governing body um we have the next several definitions without um much comment um so grading and the height of hub and height of total um staff guided discussion says if the permitted height section within design standards is altered to be regulated only by total height the definition of hub height may not be relevant but Great. it sounds like we're going to potentially use a little bit of both okay. um, for I think it still ought to be in yeah. there just mm -hmm. the hub height well, is part of 
this and as a definition tower i'd leave it i would leave it there and i just simplify total heights just to say from the ground to the top of the top of the blade to the center of the center of the hub as opposed to the top of the i just say i just say so hub height is ground to the to the hub Total height is ground to the top of the blade. Right. Instead of trying to do the math mm. in between those things. Unless there's some reason to do it. Is it worth mentioning here in both feet and meters? Or just are we just defining what, what the term means? We're just You're I, defining the term. Okay. Let's just define things. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That we will be putting these things in and height into feet and meters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've gotten lost the screen I wanted here. Um, so that gets it. So, so hub height, total height, net metering, operator. Um, and then we get to more comments under participating landowner. So our, just this first step. Yep. Our, and many of these are, are, are found in solar. Are we word for word? Like on net metering and operator and participating yep. landowner, we're just we yes. just picked up. The the only time we made um, a change in that definition it was the operator of a solar. <laughs> we <laughs> gotcha. put CWEX. Gotcha. So Thank those you. are the only modifications we would Perfect. have made. Perfect. Thank you. Any comments on participating, on what a participating landowner is? Here's one case where, case, I see it. Mm -hmm. the, the, the last line of it, we have participating landowner with mm -hmm. capital P and capital L, but then non-participating is lowercase. Not to be big. No, that is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. Yep. Do you see it? Yeah, that's why we're editing as we go. Thank okay. you so much. Uh -huh. Oh, I would have gone the other way and made them all lower, but that's oh, okay. I can do that too. <laughs> okay. Um, how about personal wind energy conversion systems? Um, this is one of um, a couple comments, if I remember correctly, about on-site and off-site. Um, and I'm not sure I, un I quite understand, I mean, in terms of what those, can you speak to those definitions and what they mean? And is there a concern with using the term on-site and off-site? Is, is there some alternative definition? It's partially a holdover from the existing WEX regulations. The existing WEX regulations, um, when they were written, personal called out on-site use versus off-site use, and we just sort of stuck with that. Um, I do see on-site and off-site use in other regulations. I think it leaves some, um, I tried to explain within this bolded mm -hmm. text yeah. that you have a little bit more flexibility as a planning commission making decisions in determining whether or not something is on site if a farmer say has their farm operation across a wide area but it's on four different parcels how we want to regulate potential maximum um, energy that can be the energy capacity because that's currently what the main regulation is on personal wex so is this in your explanation saying that if if, if it was differently defined that if there was a pwex on parcel a but they use the power on parcel b 
that would then not meet the definition? That'd be, that, that could that be considered be off-site yeah. if it was okay. written to be the stricter finite. to the right. parcel specifically. Right. And we really wouldn't want that. If somebody wants to put up a person on their property, wants to put up a personal wind energy conversion, so we want them to be able to use it on whatever their lots, whatever their property contains. Right, yeah. And so there are definitely those rural property owners that have multiple parcels that make up their farm. You bet. Um, there, there are lots of parcels sure. like that that are right. miles apart. Right. Really, um, this this is that that older language, and and we just kind of repeated it a little bit. Um, we're we're trying to get at what preventing a series of property owners putting up individual PWX and then generating that energy and maybe they only need a small portion of it and the rest they're, they're selling back so that they are in a roundabout way becoming a commercial or to prevent also, and I don't think this would happen, but a roundabout way of getting at a commercial kind or people have been referring to them as industrial, okay, um, kind of project where it's these individuals, but they're all going into one piece of the grid. So that's sort of what it was getting at. Community system that is being referred to. Well, this did not contemplate the community right. I know. model. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be that by leaving this definition a little bit more open as far as deciding whether something's on site versus off site could create a system that is. Um, more allowable to that community idea where each property owner has their personal WEX. It's used for on-site, but there are a great deal of them sort of making that community more sustainable or otherwise meeting some of those goals that may be of interest in community scale. They don't have their own grid. They're not selling or transferring power from one place to another. Not by design anyway. That, that, that's my question. So can a PWEX be off-grid? In the county regulations in the, in the city is somewhat similar. Um, you cannot today build a residence that is off-grid and 100% sustainable. The, the minimum residential building codes require that you have to meet um, minimum requirements for heating um, and cooking and it must be a continually reliable source. The code does not expect or anticipate that either wind or solar are continually available so that there are going to be those natural events. The wind doesn't blow, so it doesn't generate power. The battery isn't sufficient enough. County code, like the city code, requires residents to be connected to the grid. That's how I understand it. So you can't ever be off grid. Gotcha. So it's really a matter of on site just means I'm using most of it. Off site is I'm giving half of it back or whatever. I mean, half, three quarters. Three quarters, whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever that number is. Yeah. And that can be discussed further whenever we get to the PWEX section as far as. There are state statutes on net metering, which is sure. defined in here and is that practice of giving it back to the grid. So our county regulations can only go as far as 
state regulations on what they can and cannot net meter, but that is, we'll talk about that more when we get is there, there. Is there a percentage cap uh, that you can only get so much percentage of your energy from wind and the rest has to be from the grid? Is there, is there a cap on that? That is, I, that's my understanding, but it's something that I would want to go back and get, a, yeah, and get a confirmation on that. But uh, yeah, I believe that is okay. a thing. Yeah. All right, any other comments on um, PWEX, <coughs> definition of PWEX, on-site, off-site? Um, keeping an eye out for Commissioner Hayden. Questions yet? Um, prescribed burning and property line. Uh, I don't see any um, these comments um, or guided discussion items on that one. Um, there is um, for qualified professional. So unless anybody stop me, if you have something for prescribed burning or property line, uh, for qualified professional. Uh, there is discussion on this. A uh, qualified professional must be approved by the governing body, uh, which means at the time of an application, the determination can be made whether the qualified professional is appropriate for the study being done. And I know there were comments about uh, the term independent and independence um, and what that would mean. I mean, in terms of trying to define what independent mean, means might be a little bit difficulty, especially yeah. if we're dealing with some very specific technology. I appreciate um, the, what they're trying to get at there, but it, I think it does more to limit. And there could be, um, there could be expertise out there, qualified professionals that wouldn't meet the independent um, definition that it would exclude us from using. I think people were just trying to say, let the county pick not the wind turbine people pick I think that was the yeah the purpose of that and so they were saying independent uh, but as long as to me as long as the county is picking a qualified person for whatever the task is I, I don't have any kick yeah. yeah the way it's written is the governing bodies so. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's how it's set up in the solar it's always going to be if it can't be done by a county employee they will have a list of experts that have been approved by the county commission or administrator or a combination of that choose one from the list to go do it so that's they do have those lists already so okay well and and independent is a prescriptive qualifier it's saying it should be independent we're just talking about definitions here so i mean you, it could the use of independent could still be elsewhere in the text amendment just not as part of the definition all clear on that one okay um, road maintenance agreement rotor shadow flicker turbine does, does our definition of what's in the road maintenance agreement pick up everything that was um, specified by didn't catch Ted's last name, the Willisburg Township trustee. I don't, talked see, about. I don't see signs in there. That's the only thing I don't see as a signs, but. Does everything have to be listed in that? 
Um, or is that just in general? I think, that I think signs, when you start okay. changing the path of roadways, you have to move signs. So I don't know. So typically when, when we see a big construction project, um, part of that road maintenance agreement could also be um, what is that construction plan, and I'm off the top of my head, I can't think of the term that I want, um, where they, uh, tra traffic safety plan, I think. So that is where they are relocating signs. Um, if they've had to widen an intersection, um, if they've had to designate certain um, entrances, exits, certain routes, um, all of that is part of that um, traffic safety plan that goes with a project that's reviewed by the public works director. And that would be, uh, I think, in, uh, later in the regulations, that would be a component of the road maintenance agreement. So say repair of, um, including but not limited to this agreement with the county commissioners. Typically, when you talk about a street or a road, it, it, it encumbers all the things that make it functional and safe and operative, which are usually your signs, your pavement markings, your other things. So they don't usually get enumerated separately. It is just considered part of a street as it is needed to be installed and to be safely maintained. Everything that's required by code. Correct. Yeah. Meets the, 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 the one, standards and all the federal requirements for those. The one other uh, topic that was brought up was dust management, and I believe that's included somewhere in the solar, and I'm not sure whether it should be up here in the definitions or if it's covered farther down. We had a component in solar that talked about uh, what was required for the constructions that's part of the I was getting it's farther down so yeah I I think Tim Horn that's who was Willow Springs is is expressing the concerns for all of the um, township people on road maintenance it's saying it, it is brutal at this time of year certainly on the gravel roads uh, and and so I think he's just saying what is a reasonable expectation when you're having more traffic on those roads? That's what he's getting to. The dust, I, I think, if that's spoken to later on, I don't remember it, but... It, yeah, it's in a, it's, it should be under the construction requirements. That's, okay. that's where it is in the solar. So now okay. it's getting hand signals over there that it is down, <laughs> down in there. So. The road maintenance agreement piece was thoroughly reviewed by the city or county right. engineer. And More than he, once. <laughs> he wanted to make sure that all of those precautions were taken and that ultimately it's not on the county taxpayer dollar to make any repairs, to widen the roads, like all of that. He's very prepared, should an application come in, that that agreement is strict. Okay. And that's, that's really what Tim was well, he's getting wanted, after. Yeah. He's want to make sure it's not on the township yeah. as yeah. well as oh. on the county. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. And, and township is one of those entities that's listed okay. in the governing body. From that definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it could be CUP specific, right? Because some roads are in right. worse shape than other roads. So it's like in a CUP, you can call out, you know, this must be addressed because, mm -hmm. okay. Yep. And can set right. the routes for right. the CUP. Uh, right, I'm sorry, right. That's me. Got it. Okay, we're all good on that. Uh, rotor shadow flicker turbine. In terms of definitions. 
Um, how about going to wildlife corridors? We've heard a couple comments this evening on wildlife corridors. Yeah, I, th I think it's, I think that when we put fragmented in there from the solar, when we did this for solar, I guess we created some confusion. So we might want to tweak that, that language just slightly because it's referring to um, these, the area for, for the solar installations could be, you know, pieces. So that's what was being referred to as fragmented. It wasn't, there was still supposed to be straight wildlife corridors. It wasn't supposed to make wildlife work their way through a maze. Because our intention there was direct access through, because when we were doing that, that was shortly after the wildfires out in western Kansas with all the films of wildlife piled up against fences. We wanted regular breaks that went straight through. We wanted them out of the floodplains, so we kept those natural pathways. We had the bio state biologist, whoever, review things for where wildlife corridors were now and make sure those were preserved. So there was a lot that went into wildlife corridors and I, sh I guess we talked about it so much I didn't see that fragmented could be interpreted as two different <laughs> things but we might want to just or make that a word otherwise might otherwise be fragmented. Yeah. Yeah we want them straight. We want them. <laughs> well straight. <laughs> as straight as you know, we don't, we, don't want them, we don't want them moving all over the place. Well, no, actually, streams do that, so that's a wildlife corridor, so just... But not through not these straight, facilities. Continuous might a be. Contiguous path. Continuous, continuous path. path. Maybe yeah. that's better. Yes, because the, the idea of the solar was that there's a parcel with solar panels here and a parcel with solar panels there, and we want a wildlife corridor in between those parcels, something like that. As and if it was a large parcel, right. we put one through right. in different places. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, that was just a misinterpretation um, with that language that oh, it should, was, yeah, it was just, you're not I gonna like take a wildlife corridor and put a wind turbine in the middle of it and make it a fragment. Right. Right. With that in mind, yes. could I suggest um, uh, vegetator router other connection which allows unimpeded movement? Between allows and movement, yeah. Ooh. I'm just wondering, I'm, do they like that? What? <laughs> uh, uh, you and I. Unimpeded. Unimpeded. Okay. Unimpeded movement. Unimpeded. I could go for that. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I am. I could go for that. I'm just running through various uh, species in my mind as I'm, I'm thinking yeah. about how they're traveling. Ped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> P-E-D. E-D. Well, yeah, and that's where we got into fencing and what could get through the fence and yeah. what couldn't get through fences. Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, well, that's a component that you would have the ability to look at yeah. later in the code as you're looking at the plans and standards and those kinds of things. This is just really giving you the framework yeah. right. of, the, yeah. of the thing. It, right. it might just be good to say it allows animals just to travel through an area. That might include CWEX, but the word fragmented is out. It, but it allows wildlife species to travel through an area. It just might be sim as simple as that. Yeah. 
Yeah, are you like, pointing? Are you able to see the uh, edits as yes. I'm making them on the zoom? Yes. yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. That looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Just as a little aside, there is there are a few things that are any neater than seeing those white-tailed deer go up to a fence and just gracefully go over that fence until they knock one down. after the other. <laughs> I don't think we really need to turn through a contiguous path. We just say unimpeded movement of wildlife between areas of habitat. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What? Just um, unimpeded movement of wildlife between areas of habitat. We don't really need the through a contiguous path. It's just unimpeded movement of wildlife between areas of habitat. Is that enough so that when we get to a particular CUP, we can look at those issues and yeah. make sure that we meet the definition somehow? Look for an impediment. Yes. Um, see, I think we tackled wind farm. So we're yeah. going to strike that because wind farms mentioned in the definition of um, project CWEC. For, for wind farms, is it reasonable just to say C, CWEC system? And wind farms already mentioned as an alternative definition. If we strike that, then. Although I have to say the definition for wind farm is much clearer to me than the definition for CWEC. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about the project or plan. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like, I can absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I would actually be happy to see this definition applied to CWIX project, excuse me. I'm going to zoom on the screen if you're looking too close and you get seasick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I like that. Okay. Uh, zoning and land use regulations for the unincorporated territory of Douglas County. Any issues with that? No. Okay, so that takes us through the definitions. Commissioner Hayden, anybody else um, have any other thoughts on definitions? <laughs> we have any other, um, if you, as you scroll through, any other guided discussion? Does that end what we had for this evening for guided, for your gold um, comments? Um, what you see in the next section starting on page nine of your packet mm -hmm. are additional definitions that were identified by the okay. public That's and this would also be an opportunity mm -hmm. if ha having read through um, the regulations are there specific terms that the Commission uh, would like us to define or identify to be defined um, that we haven't already captured Doesn't the county commission revisit noxious weeds once a year when they award the contracts and what chemicals can and can't be used? So, you know, I mean, it's already, they take care of that. We are, so. we are already yeah. under the gun on noxious yeah. weeds yeah. and what so that's, chemicals we can use. But yes, that is already. They do that once a year. <laughs> you know. That is already that is, definitively defined. Yes. Right. <laughs> and it isn't just once a year. Well, I thought it, does it come up to the county commission more than once a year? Oh, I don't know that the county commission. No, I mean, I mean, they set, they set the chemicals and, 
and all kinds of kinds of supposedly uh, I was gonna say I'm sure they just get the input from right and rubber stamp it well, and also the the point of a definition section is to offer clarification on terminology used elsewhere and are these terms that are used elsewhere that are in need of clarification so uh, in combined impact that comment um, I added a staff guided discussion that goes on to say um, within visual impact assessment, noise impact assessment, and environmental impact assessment, they all require a report detailing expected cumulative impacts as assessed above caused by the CUX operation. So it may be that this person was trying to get at cumulative impacts, referred to it as combined impacts, otherwise it may be that folks are interested in adding these additional definitions into the regulations and maybe it's another spot that we circle back to when we get to those later parts as we go through further other parts we may come across terms that are better to, <coughs> that we'd want to add um, to the definition section as we discuss them right and the other thing that we would do with those identified terms is look in other parts of the county code to make sure that we're, we have some consistency. So if noxious weeds is used in Article 9 of the county code, we want to make sure that we're not subverting something else. So any additional word that is our term that needs to be defined, we're going to do that, work, that exercise as well. Mm -hmm. I'm happy with potentially adding stuff as we go along, as we go read through the document and go through and we pick out other terms that we think are relevant. Is that good? That's okay. what we've done before. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, one, um, I'm, I'm, as you're going, I don't have that last gold thing. Staff guide just got currently proposed, no, the non-participating landowner. Okay, so that is that is defined. Yep. Okay. It's defined within yep. the participating landowner. Right. Say that if it's not okay. this, it's that. Okay. Um, so, are there further uh, gold discussion points after that? I don't have the right, the ability to apparently scroll on my own because <laughs> um, I don't have the, my right screen up for that. Is there anything after that? Mm. No. No. Okay. So are there any further clarifications that staff needs for those sections we've discussed, either the mid-month meeting discussion or the definitions? Is there anything you have not, you have not received the information you were seeking from us? I'm good. I don't believe so. Thank you. Does anybody have any further discussion on these points, the definitions, mid-March meeting? Because we're going to say we're going to go through this section by section, but one way to potentially get through this section by section, as evidenced by the mid-month meeting that we tried to have where not everybody could participate and we didn't have enough time to really dig in, I would like to invite a discussion about establishing a subcommittee of no more than four planning commissioners to do a deep dive into some of these issues. And I've been advised how this works is we'll discuss the possibility of a subcommittee 
find volunteers to serve on the subcommittee, uh, um, then I, one, somebody will make a motion to establish that along with the individuals who will serve on that subcommittee. So, opening comments. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we established a bit of a blueprint on how that can work uh, in the work we did with solar. Um, we're in a little bit different place with this than we were with solar, in that uh, solar was more uh, quite a little bit less to work with, and we've got quite a little bit more in place now. So, so on the, on the side of of getting at more. Uh, definition and recommendations on that. I think that the job working with staff is to work with what's there. The other side of of this, the other part of this is really answering the public's call for more time or feedback and to be heard and for that to be included in, in, in what ultimately is put forward in the recommendation. So honestly, I, I know it's a lot of work um, to do that. I was glad to be a part of the solar work. I'd hold my hand up to be a part of this as well. I think it's, it, it's just a, it's a blueprint. It's proven some, uh, to have some success. I think the feedback that, that I got from individuals about what you four people did was so positive that um, I, I think that really paved the way, smoothed things out for writing those regulations, and you got the face-to-face -face input from people, met with people. Uh, I, I think it is imperative that we do that for wind regulations. I, I would be interested as well to be on that, if possible, okay. if possible yeah. I, so. I would as well. Others? <laughs> I see all the eyes. <laughs> so we have currently, uh, as I count, four people interested in serving such a committee, Commissioners Retro, Commissioner Dubour, Thomas, and Kelso. Oh, I'm interested, yes. Yeah, I, would, okay, you, you, I didn't want to pull the cancer thing. Oh, I have okay. cancer and I need to be on. <laughs> Yes, I would like to be on that. You would like to be on it. Do we have others? So we need a, a, a well, that's four, that's maximum that we can have. But do do people want to sort of, you know, rock, paper, scissors thing? Are there more than four that want to do this? I just want to, be, I want to make sure I include Commissioner Hayden as well. Give her an opportunity to express any interest. I mean, I think I'm as in. I'm as interested in everyone else. I'm very happy with the four whom volunteered, and I'm happy to step aside and let them do the work and support them how we can. Comments on the existence of a subcommittee, comments on who should serve it. One thing I would ask is that what, what I would look for in the subcommittee is to bring back um, very specific recommendations and details of the discussion of why you are recommending so many feet for a setback, so many doubles for noise, those sorts of details and help us, as the solar committee did, outline why it is that this is the recommendation you're making to the larger body um, so we can have a deep discussion. I think issues. that's important. 
I'm just curious how that would affect this overall process. Would it save time for everyone else, considering that we are going through section by section? In what way would it expedite this process? I thought about that because I know I was a initially reluctant to go through the subcommittee process again, but with the mid-month, it was obvious to me mm. that trying to get 10 okay. people <laughs> once at once, one, one reason, and then two, to really discuss mm -hmm. where are we going to set these numbers was a little bit too cumbersome. To, so to have a smaller committee that's willing to go through mm -hmm. all the papers, you know, all the published papers and the mm -hmm. scientific evidence and work with staff on all the research that they have done and to, and to, to get feedback from them and to have that opportunity for dialogue with okay. staff in a smaller group, I, that, that, that convinced me. Okay. So. Any other comments on the existence? And I think, didn't, Go ahead. didn't you four meet with a lot of individuals also and sit down and talk with them? Oh yeah. boy. Um, experts. Uh, when, yeah. when there were, yes, what the individuals, yes, yeah. um, that were invited. Well, mm -hmm. if I may, because that's my only other concern, mm -hmm. is would these, meeting, these smaller meetings of the subcommittee in any way affect the public's perception of transparency? didn't the last time what happened is <laughs> the public actually invited the subcommittee out to okay. events or individuals reached out and one or two of us would be able to go out mm -hmm. and uh, brought that back to the group now where this process is so far ahead <laughs> Is so much of it's already here. You're look. What we're looking for now is details, and um, because we've had some points brought up, I mean, some excellent points raised tonight in public comment, and to pursue some of those and to give us feedback on that, um, you're not at the stage of having to bring in. <laughs> We had a whole meeting just with engineers, and we had a meeting with potential applicants. We had a meeting with fire department, the fire, you know, public safety, emergency management, sheep ranchers. We had meetings with, I mean, we had all kinds of meetings that were at our, when we did it every Thursday. So we had people come in for those and ran through those. And as was described, we kept feeding back through and tweaking other sections. And yeah, Mary Miller was doing that, and my God, we had probably 25 drafts of, <laughs> of what was going on as we kept ending up adding to the definitions, tweaking definitions, which in course changed something, some other sections. So that's what you're in for. But um, it's very important, and you and get out, be able to go out if there's a public meeting, and to and to listen at that, and describe what the process is. Yeah, so the, that's mostly what we did. Is we described what the process was over and over and over again. So, how long was the period? 
I don't remember. Gosh. It went on forever. I was going to say it seemed <laughs> oh interminable gosh, to some of you, I'm sure. I think the ad hoc yeah, ran about we were, six to eight months. But this is, this is we further along. From, we were going from scratch. Yeah. 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 This is not starting We didn't even have the shells. Thanks. We didn't have the shells figured out. Right. Understood. And the staff has already talked to a great deal, a number of experts, and they have that information. The other point I will mention is that this would also go into one of your committee reports that you receive every month when you do the meetings. So the presiding member of the ad hoc would be responsible for coming back and providing that update to the committee as a whole here as part of that process. So if an ad hoc is established, we would need a presiding member to be specified to lead that charge. And, and if you'll remember, we had at least one meeting that was just to get public comment on where we were with the draft. I see, I see. I mean, it just, right. we were here for that. So, I mean, yeah. So and it took the time it took. Yeah, so sure. We had it. Mm -hmm. sure, sure. Offer a, just to float out some language about what a motion might look like. Okay. Um, I was just going to do um, what um, uh, we we should be do, should do is have a motion on the subcommittee and the individuals who will serve on that committee. So I, since I could make the appointment, but I'd rather do it as a motion, um, I can just say that. Um, the Planning Commission would like to establish a subcommittee um, form to work with staff to examine in detail the proposed new wind regulations. Um, I would like to appoint Commissioner Rexroad as the presiding officer. I'd be happy to. Um, and then others serving on that commission will be Commissioner DeVore, Commissioner Kelso, and Commissioner Thomas. Only one thing I might add is that um, the process of doing that is that we're, we're gathering information from community and experts that feed into the process. Yeah. It's part uh, of our charter. You can define exactly what you're going to do at your first meeting, right. but you've yeah. heard what we'd like to see. So, <laughs> just, just, I'm just, I'm, yeah. saying, I'm just making that clear so that everyone right. understands that that's part of what we intend to do. Yeah. Is that an acceptable? Motion. That is. Okay. Did, did you make the I just did, yes. That, that was second. Yes. <laughs> okay. That was second. Okay. Any further discussion of this subcommittee and the persons involved in the subcommittee? No? Huh? All good. Anybody want to back out now before? <laughs> no? Okay. Um, could you call the vote, Jeff, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. All right. That concludes the business um, for this evening. And um, does staff have any remaining questions um, before we recess? No. Commissioners have any more comments or questions before we recess? You look like you're ready to say something, Mr. Thomas. I, I think it is just so self-evident how important it is by the number of people that showed up and show up every time we want to talk about this and the number of emails that are sent to staff, to all of us, um, and at 10 o'clock we still have people here, uh, which I think is great. Okay. Oh. Yes, Sandy. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't recall hearing any detailed discussion about the PWEX. Are you setting that one aside for discussion? I didn't hear any comments on the definition of PWEX. Oh, I'm sorry. It was we were going to cover two subsections today. Definition. Oh, PWEX. PWEX. Okay, that's why I thought uh, that's what I was looking for when I was looking for the mo more gold things. I'm and, sorry. and then I, I misunderstood. No, 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 no. Uh, I thought that was the no. Yeah. Honestly, I had uh, was looking for that and it's I just didn't one have the page. right screen. We could do it. Greatly, I'm sorry. It was just below the. Um, uh, added okay. comments. So this set starts on page 10 of your packet. Yeah. Purpose is, it, is that page uh -huh. seven, page 11, right? Yes, page 11. Page Bottom 11. of yeah. page 10, so yeah. It basically says 75 foot tall and 50 kilowatts. Where are you seeing that, Gary? Page, uh, go to page. Uh, it's with a diagram of Page the 11 of 1195. I, I, if oh. I, I would just ask, is that a standard definition? Because to me, this is becoming prescriptive in a way. Okay. As opposed to descriptive. And I'm wondering then, is that something best covered by the subcommittee? Are you speaking okay. to the regulations under PWEX? Yes. Okay. You've now moved out of definition. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, so how it's regulated. Preci precisely. So I'm wondering then, is that now moving into the area of the subcommittee? That's, that's why I, I understood um, Chair Ashworth's uh, action as then basically diverting this <laughs> section to the subcommittee's, uh, you know, uh, discussion. Because this is now becoming prescriptive as opposed to merely definitional. Yes, but. I like that explanation better than the fact that I forgot. <laughs> uh, well, so I do or like or that. maybe I'm making excuses because you asked, is there anything else? And that's what I thought you meant. <laughs> good work, so, David. Yeah, Thank good you. job. So, yeah, so. actually, I do because I know um, people have uh, one of the comments I would make would be the height of one of these PWEXs, and that's something okay. that um, the, I, I agree the subcommittee might want to do a deep dive on and talk about that. Is that going to be okay? Staff, yes. did you need something besides, I mean, I would only have a comment on the height, um, but that, like I said, that might be something for the subcommittee to look at. I, the only other question that CC and I would have would be, what do you want to bring, what do you want us to bring you for April? Do you want us to bring you something for April? Do we actually have an opportunity to discuss this in April? So I'm, I'm looking at um, Jeff and Becky in terms of what our April schedule looks like. <laughs> I'm, right now, our April agenda is looking rather lengthy. Uh, if we were going to have uh, a, a meeting like this where we would have just WinRegs on Monday, it might make for a very lengthy agenda on Wednesday. As long as we don't go past 3 a.m., I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that the subcommittee won't really have, have made it through enough on April, by April to be different, so maybe we take April off of this topic and let the subcommittee do the work. I was going to advise very similar on there. We might want to give the ad hoc a time to gather and see where they progress to, and they may have something to report in April. They may not. And it just gives everybody enough time to kind of get situated and get that ball mo moving forward, I think. And we may have an opportunity then in May, possibly. 
I would, I would guess so. At this point in time, we're still a little ways out from calendars and deadlines, okay. but I, my, <laughs> my magic eight ball would say probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but if we have that as sort of a potential goal um, to give some of that, potentially there's an opportunity to have a full, full report and discussion, or at least a partial evening on wind in May. That gives some right. heads and up for... And like I said, you'd expect a committee report from the presiding member at April just of, you know, what is the progress of the ad hoc and what is going forward. And I think that would also give us an understanding of what May looks like based on the ad hoc's work and, and what they hope to achieve. Okay. And if I may, for the May meeting, can we also clarify for the public specifically what will be discussed? Cool. Yes. And how are we going to, I, I look around and I see lots of people I know here and I know word will spread that we have not done a final draft tonight and voted on anything. How do we get this out to everyone that says, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what we have decided to do. Uh, there's a Facebook page, there's a website that there's has been set up by this group. Mm -hmm. Trust me. The words are probably already out there. <laughs> <laughs> Those there rascals. Are, and there are people watching online. So, and Charlie, one of the things I'd like to talk uh, about in one of our earlier conversations is in what ways should we reach out to different groups? How do we avail ourselves? So I think we'll get to that. Yes. The groups have your emails. <clears throat> we'll be hearing from yes. them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Okay, so are we now finished with the, the business of the evening? Because um, I entertain a moment, a motion to recess. I want to thank those of you who hung out with us this evening while we chatted back and forth about all this. So thank you for spending your evening with us. Um, those of you online, thank you again for attending and being a part of this. And we will see you all again. Point I, I just future. want to thank everybody that came and spoke tonight. It was the comments were very on point and I have a lot I always color code my notes and I've got a lot of red with particular items to think about so thank you for the pointed and directed comments tonight it was very helpful okay, we know you can I have be here if you didn't care yeah right motion and recess second any discussion no nope. could you call the vote Jeff please Commissioner Ashworth yes Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Rexrode? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero.